0: And, and welcome back to another
1: episode of Devil's Party with Peter's microphone today because Alice <laughs> forgot her. Ah. Um, and today,
2: Canto 9. Canto 9 indeed, yes. So we're moving toward the thematic heart of the thing. Although we've got two hearts, actually, like like Doctor Who. We've got <laughs> <laughs> <Forgotten that. laughs> yes. the, the other one's coming up. But here we are in... Uh, the kind of thematic exemplum of the ideal that you get in each of these books as we shall see when we move through
1: so comparable to House of Holiness yes time, yeah. exactly
2: and like the House of Holiness it's got many similarities actually because of course as we've said there are lots of detailed point for point references that you're meant to pick up and recognise and compare and it's it's governed by a lady <laughs> and it's it's a place of education to some extent mm. it's a place where you learn stuff so That's what our, our two knights are going to be going to be learning, even if they don't think they need it, and that's partly the point. They never do, <laughs> they never do. no, no. So we begin with a little hymn to the body. full all God's works which do this world adorn, there is no one more fair and excellent than is man's body, both for power and form, whilst it is kept in sober government. And, of course, it's the crucial uh, qualification. It's a very Renaissance thing, isn't it? You think of the Middle Ages, and they see the body as a kind of worm-eaten mass of corruption to be escaped from as soon as possible, mm-hmm. entering into the bliss of heaven. You know, shedding your ghastly body behind.
3: So Spencer is a, is a rena- Renaissance man. He's a
2: Renaissance uh-huh. man. He is, but he's also highly medieval. He's syncretistic. Mm-hmm. He's you know he, he's large. He contains multitudes. So he
1: sees the body as something more than a corrupt, I I, I, worm-ridden. I, yes, sack. He
2: absolutely does soul sack. It does. <laughs> But when needed, he can also take that um, mm. that medieval view that um, so foul, you know you, you, yeah. well you, you you think of contemplation on his hill, his mm. body it's not it's not a foul worm eaten mess, but it is mm. it's a thing to be transcended. It's not important.
1: Mm. Okay.
2: You you know you eat enough to keep body and soul together, but no more. Mm.
1: The goal is to get through to the other side. Exactly.
2: Yep. You, so you. you You eat bran and, uh, you know, I don't know. Cookies. (laughs) Cookies, well, no cookies, no cookies. But none there is more foul and indecent, distempered through misrule and passions base. It grows a monster and incontinent that loses dignity and native grace. Behold, who list both one and the other in this place. So here we're going to see examples of both of these, both the the ungoverned monster, the incontinent monster, mm. and uh, and the perfect...
1: And this is uh, the distinction between dualism, body and soul as separate things? I yeah. Is that right? And then it's, it's one thing, Is you can't separate them?
2: Well exactly, because it's more complicated than that, mm. as always, mm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in fact it's a kind of triune okay. thing we're going to see. but. We, we, we probably should defer discussion of okay. that when we get to it. Yep, yeah. But, cool. But yeah, <laughs> because well, the point is that um, in the body, soul and body are kind of inextricably mixed. Like a soup, you know, like there's
1: soup. tomato and onion, but you can't see the tomato
2: and onion. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. A soup is good. Okay. <laughs> I like soup. <laughs> a pureed soup, or <laughs> or. Um, Dunn talks about that subtle knot that mm-hmm. makes us man, mm-hmm. so perhaps a knot, an intrinsic knot, hard to untie is a mm-hmm. better okay. way of thinking about it,
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, <laughs> of course it would be gruel here, wouldn't it, thin gruel, <laughs> with no crouton. <laughs> so what we're going to see here, it's quite interesting, uh, and this is worth prefiguring, Because you might think, well, this is a repetition of of the House of Medina, which was also a house of temperance in a way. But there's a big difference, because Medina is constantly rushing about, extinguishing fires here, there, and everywhere, Mm -hmm. because she's constantly faced with the eruption of the passions, you know, the the, the sluggish sister and the the excitable sister and their their churlish nights and so on. It's always breaking out. So she's like a fireman with too many jobs. Mm (laughs) Uh, and that's how it is, in the world when you're dealing with your own kind of you know your your own body and its its uprisings. And whereas what we have here is a sort of achieved state of temperance. It's defended. It's on. It's assailed on all sides. Mm. But within the castle walls is a it's kind calm, of it's calm. Balance. That's right. And Alma governs it. Mm. Alma the soul. Yeah. Exactly. It's not exactly unfallen, but it's as close as you're going to get to unfallen in a fallen world. So
1: Medina's is the fallen that you're tr- constantly trying yeah. to govern and keep under control, and this yeah. is the governed.
2: Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. This is what it looks like.
1: Mm, yeah. If Medina had some help.
2: If, if she succeed. yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if firemen. Exactly. <laughs> OK. Yeah, that's right, that's right. After the pain in brethren conquered, were the Briton prince recovering his stolen sword... Guy on his lost shield, they both appear forth past it on the way in fair accord, till him the prince with gentle court did ward. Sir knight, what are you of this curtsy read, to wheat? Why on your shield so goodly scored, bear ye the picture of that lady's head, full lively as the semblant, though the substance dead. Well, <laughs> I mean he doesn't mean doesn't mean she's dead. He means it's dead paint, mm. but the artist has brought it to a kind of life, which is quite a. A nice—it's mm-hmm. a nice. It's always suggesting something like the, the flesh, which is in itself dead, and the soul, which gives which it brings life, it brings life. it to life. life. Yes. yes, and and human beings are this mystical fusion of the two. Mm-hmm. Fair sir, said he, if in that picture, dead such life ye read, and virtue in vain show. What might ye ween if the true livelier of that most glorious visage ye did view? But if the beauty of her mind ye he knew, that is her bounty and imperial power thousand times fairer than her mortal hue oh how great wonder would your thoughts devour an infinite desire into your spirits poor there's a nice little sort of narrative irony here isn't there because um, Gahin is praising mm-hmm. Gloriana and how wonderful she is and how if he saw her he would you know, fall to his knees and worship her but of course he's he's preaching to the choir here because
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> Arthur is already uh, you know he's, uh, he's He's, he's number one in the fan club that's <laughs> <laughs> true
1: also is it kind of an
2: idolatry? A sort, A of, okay. sort of would it stand out to Protestant
1: readers? I
2: think it might I think it might Yeah. Um, it's, well you see it's actually quite delicate and complicated isn't it mm. because
1: you're meant to praise your ruler
2: you are yeah, and, and if sure. your ruler is Elizabeth yeah. you're meant to praise her both as ruler and earth woman yeah. as, as as beautiful woman but also as chaste virginal mm-hmm. and so all this you know and it almost deliberately picks up elements of the cult of the Virgin Mary which of course was squashed at the Reformation mm. but you know people's needs for these things don't disappear just because they're no longer available exactly, exactly. yeah you outlaw alcohol and you know you you
3: We'll find it. <laughs> well, exactly,
2: and then you give rise to, you know, the, Yeah, It had uh,
3: to be, yeah. Well,
2: yeah, and, and a huge organised crime scene. It was mm. one of the big policy mistakes of, mm. of well, history. One of them. One, one, <laughs> one of yes. <laughs> Along with Brexit and invading the Ukraine. <laughs> and, and nobody would want to suggest that this was a kind of idolatry, and yet, in a sense, if you look at it closely, it kind of is. Mm. So he's complicating the issue, as he always loves to do.
1: And it's this idea of like images in relation to the body yeah. and how we represent the spirit and the person and that's, react to it. And it's religious. And,
2: that's right, yeah. exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. Culture. So we're seeing, again, some of his sympathetic, complex understanding of Catholic tradition mm. being reintroduced here as, as you know something you can't really argue with, because if you think that Elizabeth is if you follow the party line on Elizabeth mm. you can't really object to not exactly like he worshipping her image, but you know, something that's not entirely distinguishable from it. Mm.
1: No. <laughs> hard to defend. Hard to defend, <laughs> yeah. hard
2: to defend, exactly. So again, Spencer loves to complicate settled, you know, propagandist views of, of, of things. You know, so make you he's he's trying to make you think, I think, all throughout this poem
1: question the way things are and the status quo
2: and, yeah. yeah people I mean I, I have to say romantic poets loved Spencer but they often thought of him as a sort of sedative mm. you know a kind of you enter this dreamy world of knights and ladies and mm. dragons and so on and you forget everything That's not how he works at all mm. he really like Milton he wants you to think he's constantly kicking you in the pants and, you know mm. think about this he's saying so they talk oh and then there's this interesting discussion because, of course, Gloriana is explicitly Elizabeth in in the in Spencer's, you know, introductory letter to the poem. Thrice happy man said, then the Briton knight, who gracious lot and thy great valiance hath made thee soldier of that princess bright, which with her bounty and glad countenance does bless her servants and them high advance. Servants again is a nice word here because it's the word that the courtly lady uses of her lovers; mm. they are technically her servants and the the scheme of courtly love but also of course Queen Elizabeth had servants I mean all the in a way all the knights in her court were kind of servants
1: and then they had servants and then they had servants
3: exactly everybody
2: as Bob Dylan says you've got to serve somebody you know that song? (laughs) no no (laughs) (laughs) well he did
1: (laughs) Um, the the stanza before as well she was flower of grace and chastity yes renowned far and near all that yeah yeah
2: my sovereign, my liege, my... Sorry, I skipped over that, didn't I? Well, I was beginning to think if I single—if I read every single stanza, we'll be here till Tuesday. You've
1: done it for all the others,
3: so <laughs> do what you need to do.
2: <laughs> but you're right. My, leaf, my liege, my sovereign, my dear, you couldn't get it's a better... It's courtly love poetry. It's courtly love poetry. So and and courtly love is a, is a mixture of the erotic and the political, mm. in a way. Uh, and, and the divine. Yeah. Because the lady is, she's your feudal lord, you must obey her. But she's also a saint. You must worship her, you yeah.
3: know, mm-hmm.
2: kiss her toes, <laughs> and with her light the earth in Lewin clear. Far reach her mercies and her praises. Are. And again, mercy, you know, is one of the one of the things that Elizabeth cultivated as a, as a special aspect of her reign, which is kind of ironic in the, <clears throat> the number because of she unpleasant. Was
1: burning Catholics?
2: <laughs> oh no 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 no! Didn't burn any Catholics. Oh, hang. Huh? Uh, well, hang is Hang, hanging, drawing and quartering for those who were plotting to overthrow her and that's kill her. Fair. But that's fair. That's
1: a reasonable response. That's fair. Temperate, you might say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right time, right place, right degree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. But no burning. No, no. Okay, good. No. That was a Catholic thing.
1: Oh, the Catholics but the Protestants? Yeah. Hard to keep track. Okay.
2: I know. <laughs> But nobody burnt witches.
1: Yes, no, I, I knew People. that one. Yeah, oh good. <laughs> how <laughs>
2: could I not? <laughs> how may strange knight hope ever to aspire by faithful service and meet evidence under such bliss? See how he's um, he's been kind of slightly ironic. It's it's rather sort of courtly exchange this in a way. It's again Spencer sliding into a sort of narrative, almost novelistic mode, because of course Guy and Arthur isn't revealing the fact that he is in a sense sort of. Her lover, mm. although not exactly. Mm. Except that she was there because there was Pressy the Grass where she had lion. Mm-hmm. If you remember. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Unto such bliss. Now, I don't want to. Yep. S- yeah, <laughs> exactly. We've talked Which about bliss. orgasm perks. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Sufficient were that higher for loss of a thousand lives to die at her this desire. Yeah, yes, yeah. and again, uh. <laughs> we don't need to ram this home, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't sort of opportunity. <laughs> I mean I, I, it's, it's lightly done. But but it also conforms again to the courtly Lady thing. Mm. You know, to die at her desire. This is your you know, you give your life for your lady. Put down
1: your curtain so she yeah. can yeah. You know.
2: Exactly, exactly. Please tread on me. Basically, it's a weird gig. <laughs> It is a little bit weird, um, it is a little bit, but it's suited as I've, I think I've said this before. But it's to suited, the power structure, yes. yeah, yeah, the rather complicated and weird power structure where a woman is in charge. And mm. you know, how do you cope with that mentally? Well, this is one way to doing it, and it kind of worked, I suppose. Mm. Okay, now, Guy unconsciously joins in the, the, the standing joke here. Um, line six, he says, But were your will her soul to entertain remember one of the things of will in this period is sexual desire
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, Shakespeare loves to pun on that a numbered be amongst knights of maidenhead <laughs> <laughs> great gurdon well I wote should you remain reward, gurdon is reward and in her favour high be reckoned as article and Sophie now being honoured that's probably the first
1: mention of article isn't it
2: uh yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Good point.
1: Hmm.
2: So he's thinking. He's thinking of a, the long game here. Oh, yeah. He's he's actually got a, a, a whiteboard. or a
1: spreadsheet, or what? a spreadsheet. Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you think,
1: what? how did he keep track?
2: Yeah, exactly. The stacks <laughs> his paper.
1: Yes. It must have been intense.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Certes, then, said the prince, I God avow that sith I arms a knight would first did plight my whole desire, hath been, and yet is now, to serve that queen Will oh, my paramite. And again, the word serve has erotic overtones, mm-hmm. if I could put it like that. <laughs> now hath the sun with his lamp burning light walked round the world, and I know less. Um, interestingly, in the fifteen ninety edition, because we're, we're, we're looking here of course, the 1596 edition mm-hmm. which includes all six books plus the the rump of the seventh book mm-hmm. but in the 1590 which is just the first three books, here he says seven times, in that version he's been seven times absent and the word seven is very important in this
1: because um, it's earth and heaven joined, that's right yeah. and, and, and the body and the soul, I don't know that. I think <laughs> you can <go for> <laughs> <Yeah>, that's, <right. laughs>
2: that's right, exactly it's also it's also the feminine number as opposed to nine, which is the masculine number. Oh, yeah, OK. Mm.
1: Seven is feminine? Yeah. Nine
2: is masculine? Nine is masculine. OK. <laughs> well, nine is more perfect than seven because nine... <laughs> I'm sorry, but... <laughs> All right,
1: Andrew Tate.
2: <laughs> nine is a cube, you see. Ah, of mm. course.
1: Yeah.
2: And seven is a, is a prime number, because nine isn't. I suppose they, it's funny because we really like prime numbers. Yeah. But maybe they thought prime numbers were somehow... Not quite the thing, because you know, <laughs> I will never know. <laughs> we'll never know. It's an interesting one, but we'll see. Playing with sevens and nines very much in this.
3: In book four as well, yeah. Oh, in
2: the book four, yeah, yeah. And eventually, we'll find that there are sixty-three kings leading up to Arthur. Oh, we will. We will. Oh, yeah, <laughs> probably not today. <laughs> no. Sixty-three, of course, is seven times nine. Okay. As you recall from your twelve times table.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, it's 63. Therefore, it's a kind of perfect number, but it's also the age of the, gland, the grand climactic. Because seven is so important for the life of man that, that they measured your life. in. The, seven? Yeah, yeah seven. Okay. So it's seven, for example, you are hangable for offenses. Oh! Yeah. You were deemed to be a rational That's creature. I know. Which is hard. That's yes, hard. I know. <laughs> well, even Australia, well, it doesn't hang you, but you know, has the age of criminal responsibility at 10.
1: 10. Yeah, which is still they,
2: pretty low. Yeah. They want to push it up to 14, which is actually I find very interesting because that's going back to the old sevens. <laughs> it's two sevens. Yeah, yeah. Three sevens, of course, you're 21, you're an adult. Which is the that's big just number. Why 21?
1: Yeah, okay. If you've ever been
2: puzzled by that, yeah. So you're you, you, you progress in multiples of seven and then at 9 seven, 63 you're over the hill climactic, it's downhill from there oh, oh. yes, that's, that's how oh. it goes <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, oh yes, it sends right. fortune, the foe of famous Chevisance. chevesance means knightly deeds but it's kind of a compromised word because it could also refer to all sorts of things like for example in, in medieval warfare um, you know the chevauchée, which is uh, well it's related to the word cheval, meaning horse. Chevauchée is a, it's a kind of basically a whole bunch of knights ride out like bandits, and they they basically rape and loot and pillage and burn the neighbouring countryside. Classic. Yeah, it's yeah. terrorism basically. Yeah. Yes, it it's, is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay.
2: And uh, not not exactly fulfilling the knightly code. So
1: pretend using it as justification for what they're doing but actually undermining the whole thing yeah, yeah. that's okay, right That's so, right.
2: Yes, no I mean it's a rational proceeding in a way like bombing bombing cities it's, yeah. you're, you're all indeed like getting on a bus with, you know, with a bomb strapped to you you're hoping to change people's opinions and voting habits by, by the threat of violence but yeah not good though not, not nightly Fortune, the foe of famous chevisson, seldom Sir Guyon kneels to virtue so in other words we we it's i i 've quoted this before, but it's quite a nice quotation it's from henry james says in a, in, a, in a serious adult fiction, every character is on trial yeah. we don 't have heroes there 's no, there's no superman with his cape, so all our knights are flawed mm-hmm. like all human beings, and they have a lot to learn, and Guyon certainly does. But you, fair sir, be not here with dismay, but constant keep the way in which ye stand. Which, would it not, that I am else delayed with hard adventure, which I have in hand, I labour would to guide you through all fairyland, because of course Arthur isn't a fairy. And now, stand thing gets dark. Line ten so they want a castle. They spy a goodly castle, placed for by a river in a pleasant dale. So it's, it's looking good this castle, which choosing for that evening's hospital, place to stay nice isn't it they choose <laughs> walking down the street oh I choose to spend the night in this house here it's a yeah. nice house <laughs> we we'll knock on the
1: door yes no, you weren't meant to deny people um, no
2: you weren't yeah you weren't Especially, especially knights, yes, exactly. Yeah, also they had big swords, yeah. Well, that's true. They did them much. when they came in sight, and from their sweaty courses of the veil, isn't that a nice touch, sweaty courses? Mm. It's a very anti-romantic touch. <laughs> it's,
1: it's almost realist. Yes, yeah. that's
2: right. They found the gates fast barred, long air night, and every loop fast locked fearing feeling closed despite. So they wonder what to do, and they think it's a, a foul reproach to them so the knight, knight of course we'll, the, the squire and we'll, we've met the squire already of course he blew his horn before the castle of Orgolio um, his
3: name is Timius. Timius, thank you and he
2: has quite a history in books 3 and mm-hmm. 4 and he falls in love with Pelfebi yes who we've met already yes I, this is like the days of our lives or <laughs> <laughs> and wind his horn under the castle remember his horn is very potent and powerful because of course typologically in
1: it's the last trump yes
2: yeah. exactly the last trump. Doesn't that sound good nowadays? Maybe fall That's right. With the noise it shook as it would fall. So this is this is the human this castle stands for the human body, as we will find in great elaborate detail. But of course it also is subject to time and subject to well, the end of time, which is the last trump. So it shakes against the against the last trump. Eftsoons forth-looked from the highest spire the watch, and loud unto the knights did call to wheat. What they so rudely did require, who gently answered it, the entrance did desire.
1: Let us in. Yes, (laughs) exactly.
2: (laughs) Um, And so the porter advises them to flee, uh, because there are many enemies around, laying siege to the castle. And at, at Q. A whole bunch of villains around about them swarmed in stanza thirteen out of the rocks and caves adjoining nine. This passage, I think, is very clearly a memory, a distorted memory, perhaps of Spencer's time in Ireland and
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know what they saw as the rude, ragged Irish. The coloniser always has to sort of have a story about the coloniser that they're somehow undermentioned, somehow inferior, men, yeah, yeah. therefore they need to be governed. Yes, you know. that's
1: always the narrative.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we can we don't. Yes, they say take this too seriously no. as an image of 16th century Irish people. While captive wretches, ragged, rude, deformed, or threatening death, or in a strange manner armed. In other words, some with unwieldy clubs, some with long spears, some rusty knives, some st- staves in fire warmed. Staves in fire warmed.
1: Hot pokers.
2: Oh, you think? I think a staff is, is wooden, but. Yeah, you
1: Fire warmed. Yeah. I guess on fire. To
2: heart or to heart. Oh. Yeah, so it's a bit like the crowd at the end of a, a Dracula or a Frankenstein film. Or right? at the
1: start of Shrek.
2: <laughs> ah. Again, we've uh, found uh, <laughs> yes. a hole
1: in Peter's knowledge. <laughs> yeah, certainly has. <have. laughs>
2: <laughs> but, they, yeah, the villagers come to burn the down the castle. Crowd, yeah, the yeah. angry crowd, yes. Mm. Durned with their looks like wild amazing steers, staring with hollow eyes and stiff, upstanding hair.
1: It's interesting how it's... It's very much an Edmund Burke view of the French Revolution. It's the mob, the oh, mob yes coming. It's a, a terrifying violence, mob. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Mindless, violent.
2: That's exactly right. It's yeah. There's no body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no,
1: sorry, no soul in all the bodies. It's yes, just,
2: like, just de- yeah. hollow eyes. <laughs> yeah. Zombie-like. They're like mm. it's like it's like in fact it's like the zombie apocalypse. Yeah,
1: well, yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Um so they they assail the knights, but then the knights manage to disperse them, because they've got they've got actual swords, not
3: yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> the kitchen the kitchen you know with the wooden spoon from the kitchen, so they tend to win, um force them fly like scattered sheep well as a shepherd sway swaying a lion and a tiger doth a spy. well, there we go, you know, sheep versus lion and tiger we don't we wouldn't lay bets on that one wouldn't no. We? no. <laughs> greedy pace forth rushing from the forest eye but then they come back because of course you never get rid of these are as we find out allegorically these are all the things that assail the castle of the body mm. uh, temptations desires constantly you know desires knocking at, and we have yeah. desire to all sorts of things yeah um, constantly knocking on the door and saying let me in you know
1: Hmm. Which is interesting, because then you've also got God being like, I'm here too. Yes, that's um, right. A prominent grace, yeah? Yes. He's knocking on the door with the chocolate, so you've got both and you've got to figure
2: out what's what. That's right, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right. And there's a mention of their cruel captain, or capitaine, as we have to say. We will meet, uh, his, his name is Maliga. Mm-hmm. Mm. But we'll meet him more later on. But the knights, again, with their real swords, broke their rude troops in order to confound... Cuing and slashing at their idle shades. It's There's a little class narrative here, isn't there? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah, because yeah.
1: like, yeah, that's what... It, it feels revolutionary. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and the language is trying to represent them as lesser than
2: because... Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And then this simile here, which deliberately recalls, of course, a famous simile in Book 1. Remember in Book 1, 133, where... Red Cross is assailed by the swarm of error. Oh yeah. Error's brood. And then it's suddenly he's like a like a shepherd in Eventide who's assailed by gnats. Now gnats that's you don't find in Australia.
3: No. No.
2: I, they're small little whiny things, and don't nowhere near as bad as mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they they don't bite you really, they just annoy you. They're just kind of swarmy.
1: Yeah.
2: And they're very tiny.
1: Hard not to breathe in, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. You don't you don't want them, basically, yeah. but they're not they're not a threat of any kind, okay. and the shepherd sweeps them aside in Book One, and of course, that in a sense is is Red Cross as a type of Christ, the Good Shepherd, mm-hmm. who can sweep away all all, all the ills and the evils and so on mm-hmm. with just a wave of his hand. Um, it's is even tide again, but then they come to kind of come around at even so we're meant to remember that, because of course, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a Christ like quality to, to, to Arthur, which keeps popping up, as he stands for grace mm-hmm. in, all, in all the books of the poem. Whilst near their chustling army flies, that as a cloud doth seem to dim the skies, nor man nor beast may rest or take repast the for their sharp wounds and noisome injuries, till the fierce northern wind with blustering blast doth blow them quite away, then the ocean cast. It's so a bit of a breeze, and they're all, they're all got rid of. So they, in some respects, if you've got grace on your side, Mm -hmm. they're only an apparent threat. If you haven't, then I suppose they're much more real as a threat. Two ways of looking at them. Uh, Then they ask again to be let in. They knock on the gate, and this time they are let in. (laughs) And everyone comes down to greet them and say, you know, wacko, you're you're the kind of people we need. (laughs) Alma, she's called
1: the
2: a Virgin Bright. The Virgin Bright, yes. As opposed to dim. A dim Virgin, yes. <laughs> well, a dim Virgin won't stay virgin long, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> um, Alma means.
1: Like arms. Yes, arms. Yeah.
2: because what it means is nourishing. Yeah,
1: like and a balm. I think of a balm.
2: Like a balm. <laughs> well, very specifically, like a breast. Did um. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you know the old the idea of the American thing where you refer to your university as your alma mater yeah mm. well that means wet nurse nourishing mother you, <laughs> you suck at the teats of your well your, your metaphorically sucking at the teats of knowledge knowledge yes they yep. um, couldn't have thought of something better <laughs> well, well but, but this, this, this nourishes yeah. you you come, you come as a babe knowing naught and then you suck away at these teats like billio and, you, and then you leave. You're strengthened. Right. You're invigorated.
1: Mm.
2: You're <laughs> if, only. <laughs> if only. Yeah, that's the that's thing. Here, of course, you pay by suck, you know.
3: Yeah. It's, it's a
2: very different. <laughs> it's not a relation of love and charity, but a, but a, a purely uh, purely commercial one. Yeah, that's the idea.
1: Yeah, OK. Well,
2: when, when I graduated at Cambridge, I must have told you this, the of the of the college in question held out two fingers like that. To represent the two teats of Cambridge, the alma mater, mm. and then we went up in pairs, and we each grabbed a finger of the prilector, a, a teat of our nursing mother, while he made a speech about how we were worthy to in vit- virtue and learning to be admitted unto this degree. You know, it's
1: and, and was that good?
2: <laughs> well, it was weird. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I mean, did you the, the... grab one
1: each, or did you have to
2: oh, keep yeah. both? Oh yeah, no, no. You grab one each, because you know, you could, she can do two at once. But unlike a dog that can do half a dozen at yeah, once. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: This podcast is
2: wild. <laughs> right, okay. If only I mean, you yeah, know, the monish the monish ceremony is so boring. Mm. You go on stage, you get your little bit of paper and you clump off stage again. That's
1: how they like to do it. I know. It always reminds me of Brave
2: New World, like match 'em matchum, spat That's right. That's right. Well, you said a bit of They're our arts
1: graduates, they're
2: gammas. (laughs) Exactly, cleaning the toilets. So, a virgin bride that had not yet felt Cupid's wanton rage, yet was she wooed of many a gentle knight. It's interesting she hasn't felt Cupid's wanton rage. She hasn't been
1: tempted.
2: Yeah, exactly. Temperance, strictly speaking, means, of course, the ability to remain uh, in charge of yourself when you are tempted. Mm -hmm. If you're not tempted, it's not temperance, it's just... Yeah. A happy accident. So if
1: you're just a monk
2: who lives in a monastery and never—well, I mean, your monk might be tempted, but they haven't got the opportunity. But um, yes, yeah,
1: that's, that's the plot of the monk. Like. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he's awesome, and then they tempt him, and it turns out he's not awesome. that's
2: yeah. right but you know, I've never been tempted to smoke. It just looks disgusting to me. So, yeah. you know, I have so know...
1: tempted by
2: chocolate cake. Chocolate cake, yes, me too. Hmm. So yeah. there's a big difference. <laughs> I have to exercise temperance in one, but not the other. Yeah. <laughs> And many a yet was she wooed of many a gentle knight and many a lord of noble parentage that sought with her to link in marriage. For she was fair, as fair might ever be, and in the flower now of her freshest age, yet full of grace and goodly modesty, that even heaven rejoiced her sweet face to see. She
1: is the ideal lady, isn't she? She is.
2: Yeah. And of course the soul, she is the soul, is the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. She's 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 fit for only one husband. In robe of lily-white she was arrayed, that from her soldier to her heel down wrought, the train whereof loose far behind her strayed, branched with gold and pearl, that means decorated with Mm gold and pearl, most richly wrought and born of two fair damsels. Gold and pearl, gold, of course, is heaven, because it's incorruptible, perfect. And pearl is heaven because of the parable in Matthew, remember? The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant who selleth all that he hath and goeth and buyeth a pearl of great price so he gives everything for this one One perfect pearl which is his salvation
1: right
2: Okay. and are we seeing an emblem well well, sort of an emblem what's it called oh a blazon a A blazon is it a
1: variation on the blazon it's
2: kind of a blazon isn't it yeah kind of a blazing. I know it's a
1: bit sexy like it's, oh, it's off the shoulder just say she was wearing a dress that's right <laughs> from her shoulder Order, to her head
2: down road yes that's right to her heel down road yeah I hadn't thought of that You were quite right the train it's were off loose bit erotic there is a bit there is a bit of eroticism in this poem isn't there which people don't expect to find
1: no um,
2: yeah. <laughs> particularly when it's associated with good characters yeah good point one of two fair damsels, which were taught their service well. Yeah. So uh, again, it's about about service, about being taught. You know, the the, the body has to be taught temperance, it's cultivated. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. It's cultivated. It's yeah. a habit of mind. That's right. Her yellow golden hair was trimly woven in mm-hmm. tresses wrought. Now, yes. Yes. We've talked about hair, I'm sure. Because
1: hair is like an expression of the will, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so if it's uh, carefully, it's like a man on his horse. You yes. Control the horse. He's in charge of his will, and the hair is kind of yes indicative of the same for a woman. That's right.
2: Well, it indicates her fecundity. Yeah.
1: Well, that too. <laughs> lots,
2: lots of hair equals lots of babies. That's the idea. I know. It's not. It's not an entirely rational, or, yeah. me, or medically, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, Get
1: Texan doctors. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
2: Yeah. So abundant hair. So you know, even the Garden of Eden has abundant wanton, wanton tresses which yeah. wave in the breeze. That's right. Um, and yeah,
1: the control and desire and everything is represented in the hair.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. right. So if your hair is loose and all over the shop and so on, then you
1: because um, there's a crazier and in the boat. The oh, Faivia. Yeah, her yes. hair
2: is... It is. It welcoming. Is. Exactly. <laughs>
1: welcoming tendrils.
2: Exactly. And if you haven't looked before, have, have a look at some of Botticelli's pictures. Oh, like yeah. The, the like, Venus
3: uh, Yes, both of, of, of
2: Venus. Yeah. Or Springtime. Yes, again. I always think Botticelli could have been illustrating Spencer. Yeah. Right? A yeah. perfect image of... Yeah, that's right. And remember um, when Medina tries to part... I think it's Medina tries to part the night her hair is all yes. is unwrought um, because yeah. because here it's the intemperance of grief but it's still intemperance mm-hmm. so it needs to be controlled so her hair is in tresses wrought, wrought means worked upon mm. Her lady, the lady's maid has been doing this and you can't do it to your own hair no. <laughs> it's partly why elaborately coiffed hair is a sign of it's a sign of class and money because you've
1: cultivated.
2: you need a servant. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you need a servant to do it. Basically, can't do it yourself.
1: Mm.
2: Even plats? I don't know. I, I've never attempted to plait my hair. I was so. going to say,
1: as Peter sits here with elaborately plaited
2: dresses, <laughs> then you wouldn't know. Dread dreadlocks.
1: <laughs> yeah, Peter has dreadlocks. <laughs>
2: No other tire She went wear, but crowned it with a garland of sweet rose air. Which, of course, is um, the rose again. Is is a flower of heaven, the rose of love. Mm-hmm.
1: The rose in
3: the garden in the
2: story. Yeah, the- that that too. But yes, well, the, the, rom- romance the romance of the rose. Romance of the rose. Thank you. Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So yes, well, roses stand for love, and it can mean erotic love or divine love, and very often they distinguish distinguished as a red rose of erotic love and a
1: white.
2: And a white rose of divine love, yes. Okay. And of course the um, the Tudor emblem was a fusion of the white and the red rose. Yeah. Because well ultimately historically because it was seen to be the end of the wars of the roses. Yeah. The red rose of and let me not get this wrong. I want to say Lancaster and the White Rose of York. But you know, one way or the other, I don't know. i okay, google. Yes. Alice uh, is Googling.
1: Yes, you got it
2: right. White oh, Rose good. of York and oh, then good. the
1: two roses red. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Well, it,
2: it's both, it's it's white true. and red.
1: Oh, I see, because it's got the inner and then the yeah. outer.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's a fusion of the two roses, you see. Mm, but it does make one smaller. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right, it does. Okay. It does. Well, because he was, he was, of course, a Lancastrian. Right. Well, well he called himself a Lancastrian, really. His claim to the throne was pretty close to zero. But <laughs> nobody would dare say that in the in, uh, wow. 1590s.
1: And that's yeah, the
2: Tudors, which was Henry and then Elizabeth,
1: and all about establishing that. So
2: at this moment in time, it's Elizabeth, and it's a perfect fusion of divine love and erotic love,
1: Mm.
2: which is you know what you're supposed to feel for Elizabeth.
1: It's all in the um, propaganda. Oh, it
2: is. And the imagery, yeah. But it's it's it is propaganda, but it's very elegant.
1: Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Complex propaganda, yes. Facebook it's
2: a good, yes. getting you with
1: algorithms.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a better or class of nude. propaganda. <laughs> it's <laughs>
1: cultivated and careful and symbolic. That's
2: right. But also highly visual, and this mm. is the point, you know, in this period, because a good proportion of your population can't read.
1: Yeah. But and they, roses are easy to draw quickly.
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. And you know, things like pageants, you know, lots of people lived in London. London had uh, about a quarter of a million people in this period. And pageants, Lord Mayor's shows that kind of thing. Yeah. The Queen progressing down the river, these elaborate displays of very majesty and oh, I, I'm consumed <laughs> very much, yeah, very much that, yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, that's where power came from. Wasn't that's it? where power yeah. came from.
2: When when James I entered the city in 1603 as king, there was there were huge celebrations and these big, you know, they make they made triumphal art arches out of wood with you know roses. Which
1: would be why Elizabeth's what was it fiftieth year or eightieth? Oh, long is
2: jubilee. Been? Yes. Elizabeth well, she lady, yeah. uh, she was she was the big banana for um, well
1: because that's why it was such a big deal. That's why they did all. It's the same thing, isn't it? Fifteen
2: fifty eight to
1: sixteen o three. I meant um, this Elizabeth.
2: Oh, sorry. Because yeah, they just <laughs> had the Jubilee, didn't they? Oh, they did, yes. And we, it was such
1: a big fuss, and everyone's going, wild. the fuss?
2: Yes, it's the same, had the same idea, it had to be a Very thing. much the same reason, yeah. And yeah. again, displays and shows. An and
1: amount of money. Heads should roll, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Well, exactly, exactly. So, yes, the tradition, even though it's less necessary now, because people can be got at in other ways, and, mm. you know, with writing. <laughs> I suppose it works, you know. But if you think of Soviet propaganda and, and Nazi propaganda, the image still is more—it's more visceral. It, it works more effectively, doesn't it, it
1: It's faster communication, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and you can uh, lump together a bunch of symbols and meanings in one quick image than making someone read a, like this. Yes, <laughs> that's right. A long, complicated pamphlet like you're not going. What was Robin's exactly?
2: One? Um, no, he wrote a few. Smectim news
1: The justification for um chopping off Charles's, Yeah.
2: Oh uh, no, 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 no. about the freedom that's, of speech. Yeah. Well that too.
1: Chopping off Charles' head oh, when he had to justify Pro populo
2: Thank you. Anglicano. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Like so complicated and layered.
2: Exactly.
1: And and we could look at it and go, Oh that's that, but everyone else just needed a nice picture.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> like also a Yeah. Well, exactly, because the point is you can't argue with a picture. Now, mm. you can argue with an argument. You can. <laughs>
1: you can. It means actually a good comparison. Yeah. Since you go, oh, yeah, and it's all these layers culturally. And, and That's right. In terms of generations. And we take one glance and go, ha, oh, ha, oh, for multiple things. That's right. trying to explain it is impossible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And also, it, because in fact they had the thing called the, we've talked about the emblem haven't mm-hmm. we already and in fact Spencer uses emblems so when, when we looked at the seven deadly sins mm-hmm. each of those sins is emblematic and the idea of an emblem is that it encapsulates some kind of moral idea in an image which is weird frankly bizarre to remind you and it sticks in your mind yeah, yeah. yeah. you know if you see a cat you don't remember that image of a cat forever because yeah. it's just but if you saw a cat wearing a top hat and smoking a pipe you might remember that you know that's the idea.
3: Yeah.
2: <coughs> what that would tell you, I don't know. <laughs> Cats rule the world. <laughs> Cats rule the world, that's right. <laughs> it's not lizard
3: people
1: we need to
2: about. No, no, the cat people, yeah. So she entertains the noble knights.
1: Entertained is such
2: a loaded term when you're paying too much attention. <laughs> that's right. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> <Did she? laughs> exactly, So she takes them to the castle and shows them the view. Up to the castle wall she goes, and here we meet the first... We complete the first third of the canto, for what that's worth, at line 20, at stanza 20. Well, first she led them up to the castle wall that was so high as foe might not climb. and also fair and sensible, defensible without, with all, meaning defensible, not built of brick, or yet of stone and lime, but of thing like to that Egyptian slime, or of King Lime nine, 9 Huilom built Babel Tower. So... It's interesting, isn't it? Um, the Tower of Babel, which mm. you know, in a way, is an emblem of human pride, trying to reach God, yep. and uh, God confounds it and makes everybody speak different languages, it's built of slime. But you see, where our bodies are slime in one sense, under the I, I probably the word slime has
1: changed
2: well in in connotation,
1: yeah, you know, the point
2: it's more like it means here something like cement, really, uh. but. We yeah, we don't like to think
1: nothing it as gross Yeah, bomb gross juice.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, compared compared to God and heavens on human beings are, are all sli- slime. And we're all slime.
1: slime. <laughs> exactly. We're, yeah, we're okay.
2: slime creatures.
1: Yeah,
2: okay. Mm. <laughs> no great pity that no longer time so goodly workmanship should not endure. Notice how this is constantly referencing the house of pride. Because first of all, you know, remember the house of Pride is not built with ordinary bricks but in a mysterious way um mm-hmm. i forget mm-hmm. the exact terminology but a lot like this and also such great pity he says you know so fair and bounded on such weak foundation ever sit because it's built on sand and not on the rock that's
1: it yeah, yeah yeah
2: so we're being reminded you know even even the best human body is still
1: yes Metaphor for the body again.
2: It, exactly. And if you it. think it's
1: all there is, then it's a the tower of Babel. It's just. Gonna yes, be,
2: yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. It's just. It's just a work of pride, mm-hmm. and subject to time and decay. Mm. But it has that that within which passes show, as Hamlet says. Yeah. Yes.
1: So people did stop and say, "Okay, God, sure. If my body means nothing, why have you given me this? Like, why is this the means by which I live in? Did anyone?"
2: Well. Um, we just went no it's just a carcass the, well that, again, again I was saying before that's kind of like the medieval view okay. that's why medieval painters really aren't interested in the body you look at medieval painting and uh, just, it's you know, <laughs> they just Christ yeah they just represent the body like cartoonists they've got really no interest in it you look at renaissance painters
3: ah oh, Michelangelo yes or yeah. Leonardo
2: or Raphael and they're fascinated by the body and by almost a kind of a photographic you know correctness and you look at a Madonna and Child, you know, in, in the, the medieval version, the child will look like a, a kind of miniaturised adult, because they didn't even notice that babies' heads are much bigger than they ought to be in relation to the body. But you look at a, a Leonardo working in Child, and the baby looks like a baby, mm. yeah, the real, the real McCoy. So, they just weren't interested in the body. This is a new interest. It's part of that new interest in science. It's humanism. Doc- yeah. Humanism, it's Dr. Faustus. it's how does the world work. It's all these things that are beginning to undermine this dogmatic, theocentric view of, of the world mm. and encourage a kind of curiosity.
3: That mm. whole tension in, in between. A healthy one. And healthy, yeah, a healthy yeah, curiosity. But
2: maybe whole thing is healthy. I mean, this is yeah, this cool. tension which we see so deeply in Milton because mm. Milton himself is fascinated by science. Mm. You know, Galileo gets into gets a gig, you know, at Guernsey and, and Paris lost at least twice, mm. as I remember.
1: Twice, yes. Twice. twice, yes. Even even just the idea of trying to justify the ways of God to man is in some way prideful. Yeah, like, weren't well, you
3: That's right,
2: exactly.
1: And, could, but, and it was great. But yeah, <laughs> it's well, still proud.
2: Well, it is, and in fact, you know, the, the big biblical text here is Job. Mm. Um, Job says, you know. Well, you kind know, of I I've been quite good god I and mean, did you really have to do all this boils and plagues and you know killing all my cattle and, and god says who are you to judge me you puny worm I'm, ah. I'm paraphrasing slightly
1: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> canst thou draw out leviathan with an hook he says um, yeah,
1: important for other reasons yeah. It, is, yes. it is
2: it is it is it is yeah but yeah human beings they're just not up to it and of course there's a sense in which Milton agrees with that but he's got to offer you in the poem something that looks like a justification that you can chew on if you like yeah <laughs> Yeah. even if you can't actually grasp the real justification because it's above your, it's above your pay scale mm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> as a fallen creature of slime. Of slime. Mm. I'm of slime. slime, yes yeah. Cursed clay. <laughs> that's right, that's right.
3: Tepid mortal, yeah. You could have
2: that at the, the cinema, a slime class. No earthly thing is sure, indeed, no thing is sure. But, you know, once you've got that under your belt, you can then appreciate the body as a magnificent construction. Even the fallen body, you know, it's still... Your... The more they knew
1: about the body, they must have realised that even that was a testament to god like oh look there's blood that runs in our veins and our eyes work and our heart pumps Did they not well ever have that problem like as modern medicine started to develop i say modern.
2: <laughs> as a testament to god
1: yeah that he could make a body that was this complicated and it, like that's always the christian argument is well, oh, how yeah. else will we make an eye and it's like evolution twit. but okay yeah um
2: well uh yeah no that was that was very much it? oh yes okay well, think, think of think of Hamlet. What a work! A piece of work mm-hmm. is man. So mm-hmm. excellent in faculty. Um, well, they didn't understand. I mean, of course, the eye is a bit crap in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> All the wires come out into the into the thing, and then have to go out through the cornea, and so they produce a blind spot. Yeah. Octopuses have much better eyes.
1: Yeah.
2: Because you know, evolution works with what it's got. It's a tinkerer. It doesn't create for new. Mm. So, if there were a designer, you know. A, A kind of demented five year old would not create the human eye because it's insane to have all these nerve endings entering the eye and then exiting again. Mm. Why not just have them go out the back like an octopus's eye? Well, Mm. because that's the way it was. Or the laryngeal nerve, Mm. which goes from the the larynx right down under the heart and back up again. Insane, Mm. from what it was designed, but that's because that's how it developed over time. Evolution,
3: yeah. Evolution.
2: Now, with, with a giraffe, the laryngeal nerve has to travel yards of useless <laughs> back and forth. How interesting. No designer there. Or one with a weird sense of humour. Mm, mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, five year old. <laughs> That's right. The frame thereof seemed partly circular and part triangular. Oh, work divine! These two these of two, the first and last proportions are the one imperfect, mortal, feminine, the other immortal, perfect, masculine.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And um, twixt them both, the quadrate was the base, proportioned equally by seven and nine. Nine was a circle set in heavenly place, for which had made a goodly diapase. It's a diapason. A sort of stretch of the, the organ from one chord. The next, everything in harmony, all okay. the notes between them.
1: Uh, a
2: music thing, okay. A music thing, yes. Right, right. <laughs> <it> an organ? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. Mu- Musical organ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, a kind, of, a, a kind of perfect harmonic chord. Mm-hmm. and Harmony is the idea here.
1: Of the body, yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: So, we've got this first intrusion, it's an idea of discordia concourse, remember? Mm-hmm. The, the
1: From chaos comes.
2: Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Out of what looks like chaos, in close inspection, ultimately it's result. You zoom out, and yeah. it's actually concord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right, exactly. Because God, God's behind it all. He's pulling the strings.
1: He's the monkey connecting
2: <laughs> the cords. <laughs> that's right, or, he, or he's the organ grinder. Yeah, okay. And Providence is the monkey. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's how they thought of it. <laughs> what we've got is. I was going to do a diagram, but there's no point with it.
1: Oh, well, I can... Let's have a go.
2: We're going to go. Well, (laughs) basically, we've got a circle. Yes. And under that, we've got a square, a quadrate. Yes. And then we've got a triangle. And that is... So this is a five-year-old's picture of a human being. Ah. It's a head, and then the bottom... The bottom? Probably wearing a skirt, actually. You know, those images in front of the loo, the women's loo... Yeah. ...has has somebody in a skirt. Yeah. Whereas the men's loo is... Pantone. Yes, panted. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this is, this is the union of the cosmic, and the divine, and the slimy mm-hmm. that is human being. The
1: sublunary and
2: the superlunary? Superlunary. Yes, exactly. It's a hard word to say, isn't it? Superlunary.
1: Yeah. I
2: wouldn't want to say it after... A few pints. No. <laughs> superlunary. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly right above the moon because above the moon everything is perfect eternal unchanging and so on below the moon things are subject to the fall to time and to mm-hmm. change and to decay this
1: comes back in book
2: 6 doesn't it you So you're ah uh, yeah the,
1: Our relation to the superlunar lunar super lunar, lunar Super-lunary.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No, well there's too many hours in there
1: <laughs> super lunar yeah
2: if you think about it historically English doesn't like that it eliminates them so we don't say February we say February we eliminate one of the Rs. We do. Mm. Okay. So now there's a number of meanings. Interestingly, on one level, the circle, of course, stands for heaven because it's perfect.
1: The angels moving it with the power of love.
2: That's right. Yeah. That's All right. Their little bikes. Yep. Now the triangle can stand for earth. I know that sometimes it's
3: a square, the square. But okay. But
2: the triangle it's also it's can stand for mess earth up. because it's kind of imperfect. It's more imperfect than a square because a triangle. Doesn't have to, be, have to be equilateral, it can be isosceles, and indeed it can be a kind of irrational triangle, can't it?
1: An acute, <laughs> an acute triangle. triangle,
2: that's right. Okay, exactly. But then between them is the quadrate, the square, which stands for the four humours. Yes, what, what are the four humours?
1: Earth, air, fire, and water. Um, but film, um, yeah, black bile, that's right, yellow bile, and it starts with this
2: blood. Blood, yes. Because sanguine. Sanguine, thank
1: you.
2: That's right, yeah. And your your mental composition and your physical composition is made of a mingling of these four humours. so, yes, so that's of, your
1: body. That's, yeah, that's right. And yeah. your mind. Also your mind. And yes, yes. Somebody,
2: or, or your personality. Yeah. Let's say your personality, because your personality was seen to be kind of infected by or reflected in the that's body. Right. As opposed to intellect, which is... Kind of substrate-free, as we say, a bit like a computer programming language. Doesn't matter if you're programming in, you know, um, Windows or a Macintosh or Android. The programming language will remain the same; produce mm-hmm. the same results. Mm-hmm. If that's a, a sa- yeah, either uh, will yep, do. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what that represents then is the fusion of the two, because your slime, mm-hmm. if you can use this term, and it seems to be quite a good one, is. Lifeless, it's just stuff. There's more stuff. The mind is completely immaterial, but the the humours represent a material. fusion, a weird, inexplicable fusion of the immaterial mind stuff with the material body stuff.
1: Mm. Mixing. Okay. Imm- yes. Movie.
2: Humans know, well, you, well, you I mean, yeah, it's, it's an problem. You think yourself... I'm going to pick up this envelope and then your fleshly, slimy hand well,
3: yeah. <laughs> picks
2: up the envelope uh, how does that happen? Yeah. How, do, how does a mere thought translate into a physical action?
1: Mm.
2: and you know, Descartes was trying to solve this problem about
1: by cutting up dogs <laughs>
2: well, yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Descartes thought that mind was material but super, 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 super subtle material so they could function like a very, very refined gas, and could inflate your muscles like a hydraulic system. No, <laughs> so, no, I know. Descartes was wrong about he almost everything.
1: Crazy.
2: Almost everything.
1: That's absurd. Okay, yeah. no empirical evidence for
2: that whatsoever. No, I'm chair philosopher.
1: Like, because you could. There's no gas in there.
2: Yeah. Well, it's lovely. It's lovely, isn't it? I, it's a bit of a rabbit hole, but it's lovely that you know contemporary English scientists are all empiricists. Yeah. They they you know harvey experiments on himself he ties a tourniquet around his his wrist and sees what happens and he sees the blood fills up behind it and runs away and he thinks well maybe it's going around the body not just sitting there you know
1: (laughs) yeah just imagine imagine just thinking your blood is just in there
2: yes exactly exactly just in there yeah it's very isn't it i mean even modern french philosophy it's all done from the armchair all the modern french literary theory it's there's never Sorry any eyes,
1: but you are.
2: <laughs> Think of Bacon.
3: Yeah. Bacon
2: dies yeah. experimenting with frozen chicken. You know, can we freeze chicken meat? Is is what he's finding out. So he stuffed a chicken with ice, up the jacksy
1: Keep going.
2: <laughs> and he caught pneumonia because of the cold. Um, Not
1: salmonella. That's amazing. Well,
2: the, well, I don't, I don't know whether he ate. The, I mean.
1: Oh right. <laughs> he, <laughs>
2: right, He was experimenting to see would preserve chicken flesh. So, you know, he's working on the first freezer. Yeah, and I, he died. By experiment. He talk, He calls it putting nature to the question. Question meaning torture, basically. You know, you experiment. He's,
1: and it was a dead chicken. It was a dead, a oh, yeah, dog. it was
2: a dead chicken. Yeah, It was a dead chicken. I answer, yeah. And well, just to you
1: know, compare well, to Descartes. <laughs> well, Descartes
2: said that only humans had souls. Animals weren't mere machines and couldn't feel. Yeah, but
1: feel. that's because of cutting open the dogs. Oh, well, yes. It was very wrong. I know, I know,
2: I know. <gasps> to help the souls like in the Like that's our first right?
1: indication. All serial killers, right? When they're young, yes. they're always like murdering animals and things. That was our well, first indication that Descartes was not to be trusted.
2: Famously, of course, in the the Four Stages of Cruelty by Hogarth, you think? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's about it's about a man who eventually is caught for rape and murder and is hanged, but in the first parts you see him as a child he's, tor- torturing cats. Yeah. Okay.
1: Good you know, old Hogarth, eh? Yeah
2: good
1: old poker. Yeah, okay.
2: I feel we've wandered a little from the point.
1: No, it's okay. It's about, like, the body and
2: the soul. body and the soul. Body and the soul. That's exactly right, yeah.
1: So the words for this, right, if you believe the body is separate to the soul, you are a...
2: Oh, a a, a dualist.
1: Dualist, and if you believe the two are intermingled inseparably, you are a materialist.
2: No. Well, but you're not a materialist, exactly, no. But you're certainly not a dualist.
1: OK, you're just not a dualist. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> well, people didn't have a word for it. It's like not having a word for people who believe the Earth is, is it's a globe, because, you know, that was just That's what you believed. And yeah. then, until flat Earth has appeared, we didn't have a word for people who weren't flat Earthers. There's no word for people who don't believe that the world is ruled by lizard people...
1: Right, so you're
2: just not a dualist. Yes, I'm, I'm, that's right. There are many things I'm not. I'm not a unicornist or a lizard. <laughs> or, <laughs> I
1: just because Shelley goes through a really interesting philosophical period of, of all of this relationship with dualism, and I was constantly oh, trying right. to figure out, because they're using all these words, and assuming you oh. understand the implications.
2: Well, you'd be a monodist, I suppose, <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, This is very much... There's a a long debate in Christianity about this problem because Aristotle thought that the soul was an epiphenomenon of the body in the way that the mind is an epiphenomenon of the action of the brain and that therefore when the body ceased, the soul would cease to exist. Whereas Plato thought the soul was distinct from the body and could survive outside it.
3: Mm.
2: And that tends to be the view that Christianity has adhered to, except in a partly sort of mixed up way. And actually this brings us back to this here because Aristotle also talks about the three, he calls them souls, psyche, in Greek.
1: The vegetable, yes. animal,
2: and rational. rational. And we can see those here. So the, the vegetable soul which is capable of two things, ingestion of food.
1: And excretion of food? Oh yeah, and excretion of food. All
2: right. <laughs> well it's got to go somewhere.
1: And reproduction?
2: Unless, unless you're one of those horrible face mites that don't have an anus and and they just Move on, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you've got to have an anus. Got to, no. <laughs> you couldn't move on, Yeah. Could, couldn't, couldn't survive without it. Um, but also procreation.
1: Yes, reproduction and eating.
2: And if you think about it, that's all the lower part of the body. The, <laughs> the stomach, the belly, the groin. Yeah, okay. So that the, the triangle, therefore, stands for the vegetable soul.
1: Vegetables, got
2: it. The square where the where the the liver the and the heart are the passions stand for the animal soul which desires things and moves toward desire and, and also has aversions and moves away from those aversions mm. and all animals do that even even you know even okay. small worms okay.
1: you have, like, here just like you've got a someone's got to drive you to get the thing to keep you alive. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
2: I think I think you mean concupiscibility. I yes. had a whole debate
1: in my head which one it was going to be. <laughs> anyway, go on. But yeah.
2: animals can't have concupiscence. Okay. It's a product of the fall. The animals can't fall because they can't choose morally. But this is a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly.
1: Aren't they... Because isn't that the whole thing with Milton? You've got lions and tigers and bears just frolicking around, and
3: it's only after the fall that
2: they. Even the snakes. Yeah, you're right. After the fall, they start eating each other. True. But. (laughs) But. (laughs) The difference is, as they saw it, that an animal's appetites are rational and limited. (laughs) (laughs) Have you met a dog? Well, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Dogs dogs have this funny. They're partly animals, partly humans, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. You're quite right. Dogs. Dogs will just eat until they burst. <laughs> yeah. But, But normally speaking, or yeah. well, at least that's the way they thought about things. You know, a cow eats grass until it's had enough grass and stops eating grass. A cow fornicates when
1: it needs to fornicate. Exactly. And it on with its, life. it's not exactly. in a cow brothel well, in fact, a cow, spending its inheritance. A cow
2: cannot fornicate, can it? Because to fornicate is to copulate illegally.
1: Uh, OK. <laughs> and
2: laws can't apply to, to cows. <laughs> I
1: because feel
2: like we're splitting hairs. <laughs> well, no, 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 I think, it, no, I think it's
1: crucial. Okay, all right. So
2: animals can't sin, yeah, basically. Why? Right. That's that's the point I'm getting at, because concupiscence is ordinary appetite plus inordinate desire. Mm. Remember, remember, sin is um, disorderly desire. Yes. Animals have orderly desires.
1: But they don't become disorderly. They can't become disorderly. They can't become disorderly. That, disorderly.
2: The, yeah. it's, it's because it's human imagination that produces disorderly desire. You want to rule the world. You want to be queen of Arabia. You just
1: want a doctor and a job. Oh, there we are.
2: Exactly. A fantastic desire.
3: <laughs> I know. Completely unbelievable. Exactly. <laughs> Very unreasonable.
2: Very unreasonable. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but you see the dog can't think to itself. I'd like to be emperor of Greenland. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to be the dean of admissions Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, the dog can't do that. No.
1: Try to take over um, the it's world. Not Russia, it's, it? It? it's not going to invade Russia. It's
2: not going to invade Russia. No. No. <laughs> <Are you>? no. <laughs> only only psychologically disturbed rulers want to invade.
1: Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: Charles the Twelfth of Don't Sweden. Don't do it
1: in the winter. Yeah.
2: He invaded Russia. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Came to no good. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. <laughs> so always the implication. Right? Yes, that's right. You can do it in the summer. <laughs> but, but people never learn. Mm. So, <laughs> so, so the square in the middle, the yep. breast, yep. is the seat of the uh, sensitive soul. Right. And then, of course, the brain rational. is the seat of the rational soul.
1: But you. Is the implication also that it needs to be balanced? Like you need all of them to be. Oh human yeah, being? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. They're all working together. Yeah, and that's right. Well,
2: exactly. If you had, if you had a, I mean, if you're an angel, you can get by with just the, excuse me, the rational soul.
1: Shit. Remember, angel shit. Angels eat. Like- oh,
2: they do. Oh, well, in Milton, they do. Everyone
1: needs an anus.
2: Okay. Mil- Milton, Milton is an outrider here.
1: Okay.
2: His angelology is is idiosyncratic.
1: Off. Got it. As yes. with Dunn's,
2: I suppose. Well, Dunn, Dunn's mainstream.
1: Okay.
2: Now, Dunn thinks that angels are pure spirit, that is completely immaterial, and that to appear to you an angel must assume a Another body of poem. air.
1: Oh, a body of air, that's right, yes. that's right, yes,
2: I know this. That poem the poem Air and Angels? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's what you're seeing is a simulacrum. Of an angel? Well, yeah. of an yeah. angel, yeah. but the angel itself it's has else. no form or shape or anything. It's that's just, right. it's like that completely crazy stuff you read out in Ezekiel, where Ezekiel has visions of angels, and they've got wheels, and...
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Ezekiel (laughs) and William Blake might have been made of the same stuff. Or eating the same
2: stuff. Eating the same stuff. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of mushrooms. Mushrooms, yes, I think. think. (laughs) That's the thing. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. So... So there's quite a lot going on here in terms of what this represents but you can see in both cases it's a fusion of the, the divine and the, and, and the animal mm. because an animal has of course, well plants have the vegetable soul, they ingest nourishment and they reproduce. Okay. Animals also have movement and desire so they have two souls, angels have just the one soul but human beings uniquely have all three.
1: three. And we We're creations and lucky us and all we so special. Yeah, yeah
2: okay. Well, we're in this funny position of being both, you know, special but also despised. <laughs> because, <we're, laughs> because we, you know, we rejected God. So we've got this funny... Oh, wearisome condition of humanity, born to one law, unto another bound. Um-huh. Created vain and yet forbidden vanity created sick commanded to be sound no it's from a poem by Sir John Davies called I was real yeah. <laughs> well yeah. he's a contemporary Shakespeare's. it's called mm-hmm. know thyself is what the name of it mm-hmm. but it sums it up rather nicely you're created sick fallen but you're commanded to be sound healthy which you know it's
1: like being a first tune <laughs>
2: yes well that's right that's right so This is a. If you explore this emblem, it's it's an elaborate way of suggesting that human beings have this fusion of slime and divinity. Mm.
1: Divine
2: slime. Divine slime. I
1: identify as divine slime.
2: Divine slime.
1: Yes. Sublime slime. Sublime slime. (laughs) Sublime slime. I like it. (laughs)
2: Another tongue twister. (laughs) Mm. It could be a good brand name for a cosmetic, wouldn't it? sublime slime transform, transform yourself with sublime slime <laughs> <laughs> just angelic
1: ectoplasm <laughs> that's right <laughs> we could have a line of sense Peter <laughs> that's right that's
2: right smear it on <laughs> however perhaps we should get back um, <laughs> yes so um, there's a whole bunch of, of relations going on here and the whole thing makes this goodly diapason Yeah. A chord, um, a, a chord. Think of it as a, as a, a huge chord where calming. all the notes are different, but they produce a harmonious
3: whole.
2: Yes.
1: Okay, and if and you can't separate them without undermining the entire meaning, the whole thing. Like that's
2: exactly. the key. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Soup. soup. <laughs> oh.
3: Okay. Eh? With the soup, that's
2: fine.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. you can't unsoup soup though, can that's you?
1: That's what uh, I mean. You can't unharmony a harmony, otherwise oh, well, it completely.
2: I, I suppose you well. Flops. Yes. Oh, that's true.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. If that's what you mean, yes. But I mean is you can't extract the pureed vegetable from the soup. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I mean. You can't take the soul
2: out of the body, like. Oh, I s- okay, okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. The onions. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm <laughs> with you. I'm with you. I hope.
2: I hope this is helpful. <laughs>
1: Rowan loves this, he's having a great
2: time shout out so uh, this is uh, um, I think we can also maybe think of this as the plan the unfallen body to some extent
1: okay,
2: uh, rather than the fallen body which of course is depraved in various ways Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so we've still got that harmonic relation between the divine and the human which is broken by the fall. So we
1: lose.
2: We lose the harmony. Yeah, we lose
1: the harmony. They're still all there, but they're
2: not. They're not working together harmony. anymore. That's they're tugging right. because in you've different got the four directions,
1: and everyone's always imbalanced. A yes,
2: way. Adam and, and Eve had a perfect twenty-five percent balance
1: of all the humans.
2: But it, it's like it's like if you had four horses pulling at right angles; they yeah. won't go. If they're equally strong, they won't go anywhere. As soon as one horse is a bit stronger,
1: yeah.
2: Then the thing is going to fall apart eventually. Yes. So the fact of death is not God's malicious decree; it is a naturalistic consequence of imbalancing the humours sure. through the fall, yes. simply with disease. If you, as soon as you move away from the centre, you get disease of various kinds.
1: Mm. Okay. Mm. So it's about balance which we have lost.
2: Yes. None of us has it. No. No. Exactly and it's all Adam's fault therein two gates were placed seemly well the one before by which all in did pass is like the stanza 23 by the way Mm
3: -hmm.
2: the other fire and workmanship excel for not of wood nor of enduring brass but of more worthy substance framed it was which of course is flesh and this is this is the mouth you enter the body through the mouth yep uh, and you
1: went to the castle through the mouth, yep,
2: it's yep. an analogue. That's an analogue, <laughs> yeah exactly, and here we, I mean, you know, it's, it's almost kind of childishly obvious, I think he's making a distinction between, you no, know, the body, we can see the body and the, the, the kind of analogies are are very simple and straightforward, and then we compare this to the analogies for the mind and the soul, which are much more abstruse and less penetrable in a sense, less clear, less. And that's, he's making the point that you know, this bit, okay, this, this is easy. You know, yeah. 16, 16 wards on either side, well, they're the teeth, aren't they? Because you know, yeah. even they knew he had 32 teeth. <laughs> or men had 32 yeah, teeth. Yeah, no, I was going to say, didn't women have less or something?
1: 30, 31,
2: 30.
1: They probably didn't even look to check.
2: No, they didn't. Well, they, <laughs> no, because Aristotle's authority. But uh-huh. that's, that's, that's exactly what the scientific revolution means.
1: Person, like checking yeah let's check <laughs> that's right
2: motto of the royal society nullius in verba which means don't take anybody's word for it basically
1: nothing
2: well um, in verba in the words nullius of nobody no so of nobody. don't take somebody's assertion that it is so that it is so check as, as, as modern flat earthers say do your own research which of course means watch a lot of crazy youtube videos yeah <laughs> But uh, no, they had a more enlightened view what? Do your own research, mate. Check the
1: footnotes. <laughs> Check the footnotes. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's right. Doubly departed, it did lock and close. And when it locked, it might, might throw a pass. In other words, you can close your mouth and then nothing can get through. And this is important because temperance in what is, well, you meet a chocolate declare, you close your mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it can't get through. <laughs> 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 Indeed. So you've got to know when to close your mouth and when to open it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And of course, this applies to speech too, that which comes forth from the mouth. You must no not. No s- window
3: shutters.
2: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And when it opened, no man might it close. Still open to their friends and close it to their foes. Of you and understand the porch was fairly wrought. Stone more of value than more smooth and fine, this is teeth, of course, in jet or marble, far from Ireland bought. Over which was cast a wandering vine. Um, this is your moustache, which, of course, in your case you have not got. Is no. It? no. No. So this is, this. I'm afraid this is philosophically the idea that the archetype of the body is male,
3: uh-huh.
2: the female is a deviation from it, which of course, as we know, is. Actually, the reverse of the biological case, mm-hmm. but they didn't know about chromosomes and the so time. So they could be sort of forgiven, mm. except for the fact of male nipples, which scream against that judgment, don't yeah, they? That's they, they <laughs> <laughs> useless on a man, quite useful on a woman. Yes, indeed, alma mater. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: So anyway, that's what they thought, though, of course, and. Uh, um, so, yes, the beard and the, and the beard underneath, the, and again, you know Elizabethans wore beards, so they thought beards were natural there 's a lovely Sir Philip Sidney
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, has uh, some way other he says, yeah, how absurd of the you know, that the Indians to wear rings in their noses, but everybody knows that the natural place for a ring is your ear okay, <laughs> okay. <Yes, laughs> it 's natural because <laughs> yeah. because European white males stick rings in their ears and therefore it's natural hmm. God is made in your image I give up <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm afraid that's the case it's very much a male body being invoked here and over in a fair portcullis hung arms, I think the portcullis, yes, is, is the front teeth isn't it? yeah, well
1: yeah, sure
2: yeah. look, it doesn't much matter we get the, we get the drift here it's the mouth (coughs) within the barbican the barbican is the outer defences of a castle the porter sat now the porter was clearly the tongue day and night duly keeping watch and ward nor white nor word might pass out of the gate but in good order and with due regard so the porter makes sure everything is orderly utterers of secrets he from thence debarred babblers of folly and blazers of crime so he Guards against unruly speech. Mm. Gossip. Gossip. And indeed, especially backbiting as we meet in book six, of course, way down the track. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the tongue is a guard over that. The tongue doesn't utter what it shouldn't utter, Mm. essentially. But also the tongue is, 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 is a physical barrier. The tongue will not... Will resist swallowing stuff it shouldn't swallow. It'll push it out again. That's what the tongue is there for. Though, so. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. His larum bell might loud and wide be heard, which, of course, is the voice, which cause require but never out of time, early and late it rung at evening and at prime. So the speaking is done, but it's done in an orderly fashion to, you know, assemble people... Um. This is like like the bells in the monastery, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, prime is when you the first prayers of the day, uh, which is so ungodly, hour like four in the morning.
1: It's called prime.
2: Yeah, prime means first. You see, primus.
1: When prime. is matins?
2: Oh, matins is a bit later than prime. Okay. That's You're important. constantly getting out of your bed in this freezing. <laughs>
1: Absolutely not. Abbey, you know, <laughs> I'm out.
2: To, to, to trudge along stone flags and bare feet to um, no. Don't fancy it, no. myself, no. <laughs> it's interesting, it does have these allusions, doesn't he? just as there were so many allusions in the House of Holiness to it a monastic to, yeah, life, if you like.
1: Because yeah. it's Alma living in this castle on her own. Like, yeah. And being devoted to... looks a little suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
2: a bit nunny. <laughs> a bit nunny, yes. Yeah. Well, she's like the abbess. The, yeah, well, hmm. we get... We get an abbess, of yeah. course, in, in book one, the Abessa. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: But that's... She's, she's blind... She's blind so, faith.
1: Son.
2: Yeah, that's right. Corsica, blind heart. Remember, that's the name of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Blind faith. Oh, isn't her son, Kirk Rapine.
3: He gets eaten by a eat- lion. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. It exactly. happens. It happens, yeah. And round about the porch on every side twice sixteen warders sat, all armoured bright and glistering steel and strongly fortified. So your teeth. Yep. Yes, nice and properly brushed all. All yeomen seemed then of great might, and were enraged, ready, enraged, ready still for fight. Well, I suppose you can bite people. And... Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. I'm acting this out as we're going.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's not like I mean, dogs. Dogs are made for biting. Because our teeth yeah. are flat with our.
1: Apparently, we can um, biting through a finger is about the same as biting through a carrot.
2: Oh, really? Hmm. Mm. Mm. i remember one once said. So, when well, I was a student my flatmate having an epileptic fit and I stuck my finger in his mouth to pull his tongue back so he didn't choke Jesus I know it was a bit wild I mean because then he bit down on my finger I thought hello <laughs> I'm going to lose that finger."
1: <laughs> you're <laughs>
2: right oh, yeah, yeah i <laughs> quite attached to it but here we go <laughs> but he might have choked on the finger but, yeah. he, but no no he didn't he was fine. he was fine okay. I was fine <laughs> but yeah that's true but um, it's interesting, you know, in, in uh, Swift, God's Travels, Whinnom Land...
1: Mm-hmm. we just taught this, I'm
2: assuming. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh well, no, no, bad? no. No? No, no. But, um, you know, it sticks in the memory.
1: Yeah, but we've well, taught me this, yes. Have, Have I? Yeah, I did oh. that, you know.
2: about the, about the fact that the, the Wyndham master says, you know, your, your mouths are no good. Basically, human beings are rubbish, you know. They're just badly designed. They're not good at being <laughs> <Yeah>. horses.
1: <laughs> They're not good at being horses. And, <laughs>
2: you know, since since it's flat to your face you can't bite each other he says to any purpose uh, except by consent which I think is one of Swift's naughty fun. little jokes
1: yes <laughs> and, and I remember that because you started that lecture by doing the wheeem thing and that has stuck
2: <laughs> <laughs> So thought alright <laughs> well there we are that's what le- lectures should stick if
1: Shouldn't they? They should be sh- bite-sized YouTube videos of...
2: No, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's right. That's why there's nothing worse than somebody... Slides. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. Here we yeah. see...
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway. Even at the risk of the occasional slight deviation from the true and straight path... Which we sometimes do.
1: Oh yeah, as we are
2: now. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Look,
1: it's what makes it interesting.
2: I think so. So she comes into a stately hall, which is the gullet passage, you know, down into the belly. Mm -hmm. So we're being quite literal here in a curious way, but it's also about it's about you know seemly order, the the appetite, the, 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 the 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 person who rules all this is called diet, and diet means. You know, a bit as it does nowadays, it means what you eat, mm. but it also means
1: consciousness
2: of Conscious, exactly, and it meant that then as it does now. Yeah. yeah. You think about your diet. Like you your think diet.
1: about your diet. You we all diet, technically.
2: And, well, yeah, we discriminate. Yeah, hmm. and whether
1: you discriminate for good or worse, it's still diet. Yes, exactly. I'm yeah. exactly. on a diet. Yes. McDonald's.
2: Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. <coughs> um, but also we've got the jolly yeoman in stanza 28 called appetite. So you still, you still need appetite. This goes back again to the concupiscible and the irascible. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have some desire for food, you would die. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you would die. Yes. So you need, a, you need a bit of appetite. And appetite's fun, you know. Mm. So there's, there's a kind of... Jo- I like the word jolly. It's, a, it's, a, it's an appropriate word, I think. So it's it's this hall, this this, this you know this communal eating, which is a kind of it's a kind of celebration of community and fellowship and so on. Mm. You know, in Shakespearean tragedy, it's very often the thing that gets a feast. Yeah, it's broken up Shippers like down. Banquo's yeah. ghost comes in. And, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So it's a symbol of, 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 of community, and the body is a kind of community.
1: All the bits but,
2: working together. Yeah, that's how people thought of it. I mean, you know, this idea that, that, that the brain was basically this memory and imagination, as we all meet later on, imagination, and mm. all these different sort of... Remember, ah, I remember a cartoon from, from my childhood of, of this imaginary brain full of these different little homunculuses doing little, little jobs? And, which was very much how they imagined it, as I say. Yeah, You know. I but, mean...
1: Still, sometimes that's how you imagine it. Well, it's yeah, like that's at right. The back of my brain is yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: And there's 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 somebody sitting there, watching a big screen with everything in your eyes. You know, the, what they call the, the Cartesian theatre. <laughs>
1: so, well, has, Disney has made a film about that now. Have they? Yeah, oh. and it's, it's 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 joy and, and anger and sadness. Right. They all, and they're working together to save the little girl whose yeah.
2: parents getting divorced. Which, of course, is the roots of the psychomachia. Yeah,
1: it's all there. Like I shouldn't be watching Disney films because I uh, <laughs> quite commentary.
2: Um,
1: whoever's done it knows what they're up
2: to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Psychologically.
2: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And as I said, we'll meet that later on here. Um, There's one great chimney, long tunnel, then the smoke forth through the chimney.
1: It's
2: your nose. No, I, I I think it's the heart. Ultimately, the heart, the heart. Apparently, you you eat stuff; it goes into you. Then it's a first. There's a basic refinement in the stomach. Then a secondary refinement in the liver they
1: don't know how this works okay no no it's uh, yeah. pure
2: fantasy this okay. goes back to Galen I think yeah. and then a, then a final refinement in the heart <laughs> and the final refinement they didn't pre-
1: realise what the heart was for did they no
2: I hadn't a clue they
1: just knew that if it went you died oh yeah, yeah. that's interesting it's kind of important yeah
2: that's right uh, but of course the ancient Greeks thought you thought in your heart idiots yes <laughs> that's right how uh,
1: uh, we know like you can feel it you can feel like no. Well the,
2: point, the funny thing is you're looking out through your eyes, so you're kind of you feel you're up here. This
1: is where the yeah. man at the controls is.
2: I know, that's what I say man. But they didn't they, didn't, goblin. Yeah. they didn't think like that. They they weren't sure what it was for, the that's brain. That's so
1: interesting. Yeah. <laughs> what the brain was for. It's well, just the, this grey shit in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Slimy.
2: You know you know what Aristotle thought testicles were for? Well, go
1: on. Well, I'd love to know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Well he noticed that men had deeper voices than women. Mm. So he thought the testicles were kind of weights to tension the vocal cords to a lower register. That was, that was Aristotle's Just, and this thing. guy has prevailed for thousands
1: of
2: years. Yes, and oh yes, and you can't keep him down. He's like Whack a mole, but you know, pop- Neo. Well, that's right, yeah, because you know, in the very period in which all his all his physics was being shown to be rubbish, yeah, he neo- pops up. Christian near. Well, well, I mean, our period, basically, the early oh, modern period. Yeah. He's, he's shown to be, you know, his physics just doesn't make any sense. So Galileo and Kepler and all these people show that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: At that very moment, he pops up as a literary theorist and dominates
1: That's right.
2: literary theory for the next two or three hundred years. he's
1: very obnoxious. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but he was kind of like the first man on the scene, you know, so he kind of called it all. Well, I guess
1: he's the, the oldest one we remember. Well, it, yeah. His most prolific well, it's written like, down.
2: You know, he's a bit like Scott Morrison. You know, he was a professor oh. of biology, a professor of <laughs> poetics, a professor of physics, uh, and not good at any of them. Bunged <laughs> off work every day. I was wondering when this would
3: come up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
2: mm. that would need a footnote, but I don't think we've got time for a footnote. So.
1: People can look at it. look up yeah, Look at See
2: if you just Google stuff. Yeah. It's true. Just Google stuff. Go- Do your own research. Google anything we say. <laughs> yes, <that's right. laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So, um, so we've got the the cauldron, the bellows, lungs, the lungs. Exactly. Stoking cooling breath, inspire.
1: You know, this is um, the magic school bus that we're on. No. The Magic School Bus. It's, it's a kid's cartoon where they oh. get on a tiny bus and they go through the body and like she explains oh.
2: things. Oh, right. Yeah, don't worry. Like, like <laughs> the, the, a film from the 60s called Fantastic Journey. Maybe. Well, they're, they're the, 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 it's a science fiction film. I hope so. I think it's got Raquel Welsh in it, so you know, it's, right. it's, it's not just science fiction. But I think all these scientists are condensed into this tiny little boat that's inject submarine, injecting the bloodstream so they can go through the ar- arteries and cure this, you know, person who's very important and needs to be cured. <laughs> what are <laughs> they gonna do? I don't know.
1: Stick pins. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's <yeah. laughs> oh, got a hole, put some duct tape, like <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: But but but, but same idea. So yes. Okay. Idea. We are
1: in a submarine in the body.
2: Exactly, exactly. Um So the process indeed of Turning food into this spirit stuff mm. was called concoction, and concoction mm-hmm. begins in the stomach. So this furnace, actually, I think it's the stomach, basically. It's because it's, it's boiling away. It's a cauldron full of gurgly muck, mm. slime, mm. that you've eaten, you know. Mm-hmm. Last night's dinner is bubbling away in there, mm. and lots of cooks are stirring it. <laughs>
1: Making... Concocting. Concocting. The spirit.
2: Concocting the spirit, yes. Okay. But as I said, it's a three-stage process.
1: I'm beginning to wonder if, like, there's Aristotle and all these men over here, like, this is what the, the data are cutting up dogs and stuff. And over on the other side, where nobody is paying them any attention to the women, just very sensibly going about, like, okay, so if you do this with this herb and that with that that's herb, that's right, that will cure. And they just nobody's listening,
3: exactly.
2: But
1: they have the secrets,
2: exactly.
1: And that's how we managed to reproduce this far. Because I feel if men were in charge, yes, like, we'd all be dead
2: following these crazy theories, <laughs> that's right, uh, yeah, anyway, that's right. <laughs> Like well, um, moving to the Rantic period, you, you know the, the, you know the contemporary cure in the early nineteenth century for people who were drowned or half drowned to be revived. I'm going to
1: guess lead. Like, what did
2: they do? No, it was blowing tobacco smoke up their bottoms.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. How? There was, I, <laughs> What are the mechanics of that? Well, I, it was felt to be a stimulus of some sort. You see. And, <laughs> Oh, oh, oh! they had little machines. And, uh, little machines. You, you, you insert it in the anus uh, and then you <laughs> blow smoke. So, is this the phrase blowing wind
1: up your ass? Or blowing smoke
2: it? up your ass? I mean, you heard that phrase? I mean, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, it's forgotten science. Thankfully. For <laughs> Let's not bring
1: that. And they thought you could.
2: Well. Sure.
1: <laughs> and then there's women on the sidelines well, just pressing on the
2: chest. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, I, no, you're absolutely right because you know the whole idea of bleeding goes mm-hmm. back to the humours theory. You must take away your humours are unbalanced. You must ta- now what can you take away? You can't really take away phlegm easily. Mm. You can't take away bile. Bile well, black well yellow bile no black bile actually was probably deoxygenated blood. But yeah. again, how do you get that? The only thing you can easily take away is blood. So you take blood away, the, the best one of them, and of course. People died. Yeah, barn. Barn. It's yes.
1: <laughs> my favourite barn. Exactly. Story.
2: Just because they're, they're, they're acting on theory. Yeah, it is. With no regard for. And indeed, the word empiric was a word of contempt among, among male physicians. Really? It meant somebody who works by results <gasps> rather than theory. You know, because Aristotle says, you know, theory is important. You sit in your armchair and you think about all this stuff. And then the people who actually do the work. They're mechanical, so this, this is, is a, a
1: distinction it. in literary scholars isn't it? Oh, as well, yeah. absolutely, yes, and uh, has and the same
2: value, it seems to me, because. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> <right>. you're right. <laughs> well, I mean, I do I do theory, I do medical theory, but it's based on observation and testing. It's not based oh, on me yeah, yeah. <laughs> pulling stuff out of my anus, you know. Did that for go? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, this is why physicians were exalted, doctor so-and-so, because the physicians are the people with all the theories, and surgeons, who did the actual cutting up, were degraded, they were mechanical.
1: Even though they knew more. Even though they knew more. Yeah, Uh, yeah, Keats. Yes. I saw walk up a hill every day while he was in Rome. This is a man whose lungs are just
2: I know, <laughs> I know. <'cause laughs> breaking
1: that's... down into the slime. They're like, could you drink a pint of milk, walk up the hill and back? You feel better. That's right, that's right. Yeah. You know. They killed him.
2: <laughs> that's right. People who are skeptical of modern medicine, I could understand it in 1800. Mm. I did quite understand it in you know, 2000, 2000, whatever. But yeah, it was just crazy. And you're quite right. Whereas the, the wise old woman in the village knew that this herb She's a witch. did this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She knew that salicylic acid, derived from the bark of trees, was good Will for pain.
1: Tree? No, that's. Penicillin. It, uh
2: I think an oak. I'm thinking oak. an oak, but I could be wrong. But somebody can Google it. Google salicylic acid. No, well, no, no I don't, I'm not saying. That. I'm talking to the. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> right. Mm. so yeah and you don't worry about how it works because it's not really important nowadays a lot of scientifically proven cures and things have no real explanation but it works and so you do it the explanation is what
1: you mean like it's chemical right
2: Well, uh, well no I mean
1: or like why does that bark do that
2: well yeah why Why does this particular chemical compound have this kind of therapeutic it effect yes. it just does okay. the body's a very complicated thing yes. we're not going to worry about it that's so
1: why I always struggle at maths I'm like but why
2: and they're like it just happens I can't <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah but I think that's true and I, th- I think that may be a kind of fundamental gender thing going on there yeah
1: well yeah men are just like hacking away and
2: women are quietly getting ostracised or just dreaming up theories which then you know
1: yeah well I think also women were forced like from everything they had to go through (laughs) yeah you had to figure because men weren't interested they weren't going to help you but you had to figure shit out well that's right Um, and and share the information yeah
2: that's right and pass it on somehow Mm. Mm. interesting how we doing so here they are, processing food, basically. So we're still... <laughs> <laughs> the
1: digestive tract.
2: Yes. Yeah. So we're still in the, in the in the lower part of the body. Of the, we're still in, in the um, the triangle of the vegetable soul. Mm. When Aristotle uses the word soul, he doesn't mean soul in a Christian sense, obviously. He means the principle of life.
1: Which is where we get soul from, then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah
2: that's yeah. right, that's right, that's right. And the word he uses, psyche, <laughs> gives us words like psychiatry and psyche Mm. so it gives us we talk about the mind in those terms Mm. Mm. so we've got the the lung the bellows of the lungs cooling the stomach oddly enough although the normal function of bellows is to heat things isn't it but I suppose we can't blame again we can't blame him for not having good physics here (laughs) yeah (laughs) but again I mean you're quite right the people who had to keep fires going knew that bellows actually make a fire Go hotter. They don't blow it out unless it's very small.
1: Yeah.
2: However, the master cook was called concoction, line uh, standard 31. Concoction is that process, as I said, of turning, refining food. A careful man and full of comely guys, the kitchen clerk that hide digestion, did order all, all, all the acates and As Acates means foods, delicates, delicacies, mm-hmm. like cates. And digestion, again, is, is part of the same process. Um, the rest several offices assigned: some to remove the scum as it did rise, others to bear the same awaited mind, and others to use according to its kind. So, you like a soup, you know, stuff rises to the surface, mm-hmm. and you scoop it off, call it the scum.
1: Yes, okay.
2: And this, this is again, concoction produces waste <coughs> products. So mm. he's being quite sort of you know yeah. literal-minded about this whole thing. Um, but all the liquor, which was foul and waste, not good nor serviceable else for aught, then another great round vessel placed, till by a conduit pipe at thence, this is the bowels, of course, till by a conduit pipe it thence was brought, and all the rest that noise was and sought, noxious noise, of course, by secret ways that none might it espy, was close conveyed and the back gate brought, that Cleppard was Port Esquiline, whereby it was avoided quite and thrown out, privily, and a privily secretly but of course a little pun on the word privy yeah <laughs> I did get that one <laughs> so, so next time you want to go to the loo you could say I wish to I wish to, uh, throw myself out
1: privily well or <laughs> yes
2: or I, I wish to employ the Port Esquiline <laughs> uh-huh. where, where my good man might I put the Port Esquiline to use <laughs> possibly and that's the end of the animal side of things. We end with shit, basically. <laughs> makes sense. So in center 33, which is, of course. A
1: pretty number.
2: Pretty number, yes. What number.
1: Jesus' age. Jesus also his age. Prime numbers and things.
2: All that. Yeah. Yes. Plus uh, 11 times 3. The is a good sure number. Sure is, yeah, yes. yeah, it's nice. yeah. yeah. It's a nice number. <laughs> <laughs> so they're amazed at all this. Then Alma leads them back into a goodly parlour with royal aris richly dight it's kind of like a living room you know. Um, aris is of course tapestries and things on the walls mm, mm. so it's richly dight with royal so she's Play, yep. so the soul is a kind of she's a kind of queen <laughs> figure but that's appropriate in a way you know. mm. in which was nothing portrayed nor wrought nor wrought nor portrayed but easy to be thought which is interesting because of course there's a lot that's portrayed in Spencer that's not easy to be thought <coughs> and in fact it's quite difficult, difficult and challenging but the idea is I think that he wants to suggest that in this chamber because now, we've now moved into the, into the breast mm-hmm. into the sensitive soul that there are innate ideas there which are basically fairly straightforward and not complicated at all, we don't meet complexity but we come into the actual mind so, mm-hmm. we're kind of born with these things, and they would include things like uh, causation. Okay. Not that people always have a good idea of causation, do they? I mean, this is the trouble. Yeah,
1: correlation doesn't equal causation. Exactly,
2: yeah. but people tend to assume that it does.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and, oh, various things. The kind of physics we're born with as babies, you know. As, even as babies, we know that falling isn't good.
1: Yeah, you can push stuff over. You can push Sorry, stuff you over.
2: And persistence of objects. You know, mm-hmm. if you show a baby something, put it behind a curtain, and then take it away and open the curtain, the baby's puzzled. Yeah, objects. So Perpetuity poets, yeah. Per-psy yeah. Per-psy peekaboo. Yeah. Yeah. Peek-a-boo. Yeah. peekaboo. Yeah. This yeah. is the world of peekaboo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> lovely game <movie>. of <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And these things are easy to be thought because babies work a man, I suppose. Mm. That's the idea. Yeah. yeah. And in the midst thereof, off upon the floor, a lovely bevy of fair ladies sat. I'm quite sure why they're sitting on the floor.
1: Um <laughs> again, they're less than men, so they don't get a chair. <laughs> right. Of course, <laughs> know. if it was a they'd just be sitting. <laughs> because women on floor. <laughs> of <On> the, <floor.
3: laughs>
1: <laughs> the assumption of chair is
2: taken away. <laughs> yes. Mm. Courted with many a jolly power, which of them in modest wise are made. Well that's nice. And each one thought his lady to a great to please deke among them little Cupid played his wanton sports, being returned late from his fierce wars and having from him laid his cruel bow wherewith his thousands have dismayed so again Cupid keeps popping up into this poem in so many different guises wearing so many different hats here he's a kind of innocent flirtatious um, elegant, this is like a sort of elegant drawing room where you know, people flirt but in a very sophisticated and
1: yeah, uh, yeah, like an
2: Austin novel. Yeah, maybe. that's right.
1: Yeah,
2: that's right. Where 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 it's all in in the language. Yeah. And <laughs>
1: implication.
3: And, implication.
2: Yeah. I remember seeing a terrible, terrible BBC adaptation of Mansfield Park, where instead of all that, those little erotic tensions that not acknowledged, you, you had um, Henry virtually trying to to, to, to Roger. One of the sisters on the piano, ah, you know, Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've
1: lost, we've lost we've subtlety, struggled, haven't we? Subtl- we mean, struggle with films subtlety. Films where things explode. Exactly. And people are knifed. And, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
2: and you're in no doubt about who's doing what to whom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one's on trial. <laughs> no one, exactly. Exactly. So this is elegant, elegant, pleasurable, but innocent flirtation going on diverse delights they found themselves to please some song in sweet concert, some laughed for joy, some played with straws some played with straws that's a bit odd Best not to ask <laughs> each, to <his> own. <coughs> each to his own some idly sat at ease but others some could not abide to toil all pleasant was to them grief and annoy which is interesting isn't it so we're back with um, remember the Puritan lady from the house of Medina
3: mm-hmm
2: this frowned, that fawned, the third for shame did blush. Another seemed envious or coy. Another in her teeth did gnaw a rush. Okay. Right. Without <laughs> these, these strangers' presence everyone did hush. So this is this is the breast there are all sorts of passions in the breast and they're all kind of doing their own thing.
1: Gnawing
2: on, Gnawing on, rush. on rushes. Well that's actually a sign of lunacy, isn't it? You know. Yeah,
1: I thought it was more a metaphor of
2: like, you know, working something through. Oh. No. No, you, you throw rushes on the floor. Well, I mean, you don't throw rushes on the so floor, I imagine. No, no. Um, not recently. <laughs> not recently. <laughs> right. But if you were living in a medieval castle, you would do that. So they're kind of insulation, and then when they get dirty, you mm-hmm. sweep them up and burn them, put new, new rushes down. Mm. But if you start gnawing the rushes, yeah, you're, you're a little bit unbalanced. Okay. <laughs> but but the human breast contains all these passions, and but the point is you keep them under restraint.
1: Right, so within all of us, in all yes, of our breasts... Yes,
2: there's somebody gnawing a rush. But as long as they just keep it there... It's fine. It's when they pop out and, and start, <coughs> start gnawing other people's rushes. Mm. Yeah, so we, we're all a little sort of...
1: Crazy, yeah, yeah.
2: I think that's exactly what in he's in own saying, way. <laughs> yes. yeah. And this is but,
1: Spencer, a man whose walls are covered floor to ceiling in like stances and he's moving them around. And, on the <laughs> that's floor right. and his wife gets home and is like, Honey, I told you, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. He has no ground on which to stand, no, no,
2: exactly. Are you warm enough, by the way?
1: Yeah,
2: oh, good, it just seems rather chilly in here. Yeah, I, I that's think fine. that's meant to be a heater but it, um, oh, there that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah that's exactly right and, and so it's, 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 it's very interesting isn't it because this was the kind of insight which the Enlightenment lost sight of that there's this little sort of cauldron simmering away and only conservatives like Johnson and Swift were always aware of that. Oh. Remember when Johnson talks about the uncertain continuance of human reason
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and it's the Romantics he sort of return. To that and see it as a source of energy as much as yeah. anything else yeah so he's again as always he's kind of a bit ahead of his time mm. um as soon as the gracious alma came in place they all at once out of their seats arose, as though queen elizabeth entered the room you'll mm-hmm. stand up you know Who when the knights beheld they again dispose themselves to court and each a damsel chose well, that's nice
1: maybe we'll see
2: well what i mean is
1: yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: maybe the damsels should be choosing as much as the knights yes yeah. Prince by chance did on a lady light that was right fair and fresh as morning rose mm. and by chance of course is, Not by chance no, no and a
1: rose mm-hmm.
2: yep um, but somewhat sad and solemn eke in sight as if some pensive thought constrained her gentle sprite that's
1: the thing in uh, Rape of the Lock where governed by sprites
2: oh yes, that's yeah. right, that's right yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, yes and those sprites are ultimately related to the four humours. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. In a long purple pool, whose skirts with gold were fretted all about, she was arrayed. And in her hand, a poplar branch did hold, which seems a little eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> it connects her oddly with Hercules. Poplar? Yeah.
1: It's made of poplar?
2: Well, in some traditions, I think.
1: Okay. Yes. I'll take your word
2: for it. Knobbly poplar.
1: No.
2: <laughs> Every time. <laughs> well, it has to be nobly. I know. A, a club is no good. Just
1: the because I like listen to it back. I hear you say club, nobly club. Knobbly, <laughs> Every
2: time. Club. It's, it's, it's a it's a nice phrase. It
1: is. It
2: is. And yes. It is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you look at look at um, contemporary illustrations of Hercules. It's nobly. It? It's nobly. Yeah. Yeah, it's not smooth. It's <laughs> not, it's not like a baseball bat. Hercules with a baseball bat it, it just wouldn't work. Um, to whom the prince in courteous manner said, Gentle madam, I been ye thus dismayed, and your fair beauty do with sadness. And sadness, of course, doesn't necessarily... I mean, it can mean sadness in our sense, but also it means seriousness.
1: Mm.
2: So everyone else is having fun and gnawing rushes, she's and, and she's... Mr Darcy at the corner,
1: frowning. <laughs>
2: well yeah she's, fine. she's thoughtful okay. she's more thoughtful she's more like uh, she's Marianne sorry. Dashwood you okay
1: know? okay mm. sure
2: <laughs> she's she's or, or or like the you know um, the youngest of the in Pride and Prejudice you know? Maria who is it Maria
1: the, I remember the serious one Lydia and
2: Lydia's the flighty one yeah isn't? she
1: runs off
2: with with uh, yes him the bounder, yeah. the cad, but there's also there's also Mary, the one to whom her father says, "You have delighted us long enough." On the piano. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <It's so funny.
2: laughs> Every time. I know. <laughs> 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 um. Anyway, she's so she's not, she's not having a great time. Lives any that you thus hath iller paid. Or doon you new love? Or doon you lack your will? Whatever be the cause, it sure beseems you ill. Fair sir, said she half in disdainful wise, How is it that with this mood, that this mood in me ye blame, And in yourself do not the same advise? Him ill beseems in another's fault to name, That may be unwares blotted with the same. Pensive I yield I am, and sad in mind, Through great desire of glory and of frame. Ne'er aught I ween are ye therein behind, That have twelve months sought one nowhere can her find so what we find is although yeah by chance as in a dream he's chosen this one she's a kind of mirror for him mm-hmm. yeah where he can see himself more clearly than women he can. only
1: mirrors not beings <laughs> unto themselves yeah mm-hmm.
2: in this particular case yeah that's right um, uh, that's right but he can't see himself but he can see him well the point is whether or not he takes the message on board yeah, yeah. self-knowledge yeah that's right the prince was moved at her speech, so you know, she's she's touched she's touched him somewhere. She's she's kind of he's seeing some truth in it. Yes. Well waiting true what she had rashly told. Yet with fair semblance ought to hide sought to hide the breach, which change of colour did the force unfold. That's interesting, isn't it? So he can act, but he can't control his like saying. Like saying. Yeah. Or like Eve after the yeah. fall. Yeah, she blushes. She blushes. Yeah. Even though she's did she give away. Yeah, um, did give yeah. away, yes. Yeah. Yeah. In her cheek distemper flushing glowed. Mm. Um, now seeming flaming hot, now stony cold, though turning soft aside he'd inquire what white she was that poplar branch did hold. It answered thus her name was Praise Desire, that will that by well doing sought to honour to aspire. So, in other words, she is an image of Arthur himself. Whatever he thinks he's driven by, Arthur's been shown that he's partly driven by Desire of praise mm-hmm. which you know, could be kind of laudable I suppose, but is also not the pure moral desire to to help others or to rescue maidens from mm-hmm. drowning in ponds or whatever it's self-regarding
3: yeah.
2: yeah yeah and it's the truth that he has to recon- reconcile and deal with so again he's not a Superman hero he is as Solid fallible as any
1: complicated, yeah yeah
2: and we remember, of course, um, that that time that he races off after Florimel, and I, again we can cut him a little bit of slack because he's prince Arthur. He's, yes, he's, he's
1: not king. He's a yeah. king in training. Yeah. Okay.
2: And you know, as everyone else in this poem, he's, well, not everyone else, but some of the knights, he's learning on yeah. the job. He's.
1: He's an apprentice.
2: He's an apprentice king, <laughs> and and actually the House of Alma is an important kind of academy for him to learn I mean he's learning something about himself the Alma Mater,
3: <laughs> the alma mater. Yes.
1: <laughs>
3: exactly. Yeah, okay.
2: exactly the
1: teat of knowledge
2: the teat of knowledge you suck away in the next canto which we won't get to today Absolutely not. <laughs> no. he learns a lot about his past and so on from the, the Chronicle of Kings that's
1: coming, Okay.
2: that's canto 10 How are we doing? Yeah. 40 hmm ok so we've just had um, we've just had Arthur talking to this lady who turns out to be called Praise Desire, mm-hmm. and she turns out to be a mirror of his inner or more hidden or more concealed motivation. Um, he sees himself. Are we, are you're we,
1: great. You're great. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he sees himself as driven by noble aspirations and so on, and that's the kind of conventional view. So a you, mythic view.
1: He's dating someone who is just or dating. Yes. Uh, just an image.
3: Well he's chosen desires. that he's
2: chosen it because she affects him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but his his actual desire is for yes, for praise. Mm. Um it's not necessarily a bad thing.
1: In the right r- degree. In
2: the right degree. Mm-hmm. But it is a very self-centered mm. thing, that's the point. All this, all this kind of bold altruism that, that he sort of. Mm. So you know, we're, we're again we're meant to judge everybody as I said.
1: Yes, he's on trial because he's he still Prince Arthur.
2: He's still Prince Arthur, and simply Guyon is is you know on the way there, but <laughs> <laughs> needs
1: his palmer.
2: Needs his palmer, yes. <laughs> uh, and so Guyan too does a similar thing. Uh, line, a stanza forty. The whiles the fairy knight did entertain another damsel of that gentle crew, that was right fair and modest of demean, but that too oft she changed her native hue. <laughs> Strange was her tire, that's her dress, of course, and mm-hmm. all her garment blue, close round her neck, tucked with many a plight. Upon her feet, upon her fist, the bird which shunneth view and keeps him covered, those from having living white, did sit as yet ashamed how rude pan did her dight. Um, dight means um, Roger. Oh. Hmm. oh. If you're wondering. So, <laughs> <laughs> so rude pan um, seems to have done something to this bird. Um,
1: so she's changing. She's fickle? She...
2: Uh No. Her dress? No, she's she's changing her colour. She's constantly blushing.
1: Okay. So
2: she can't do a thing without sort of, you know.
1: Blushing.
2: Blushing. So she's terribly self conscious. Guy on. So, because
1: it's a reflection of Guion. Yeah, it's a yeah. reflection of Gaon. Okay. Yes. Oh, he's yeah, he's so self-conscious of what he's doing.
2: Exactly. exactly. Okay. And
1: worried about how what everyone, thinks of him. Is that yeah? Before? That's yeah, okay. that's
2: it. So it's kind of the obverse of praise desire. Praise desire is the positive thing. You are going to go out there and people will throw you know ribbons over you and mm. say, "Look at this wonderful chap." Um. Then the shamefast person is a kind of negative version of that. Constantly. Worrying about how people judge them. Yes, exactly. And that again is something that's kind of inside Gaia. to extremes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And indeed, called shamefastness, and that, as we discover in stanza forty-three, is her name, shamefastness. The bird around her neck. There's all sorts of dispute on what this bird might be. Some people think it's a turtle dove. Um, okay. She's colored blue, which is interesting.
1: Virgin um, Reg- Mary? It's well, that's Reg- your first Mary, thought, yeah, yeah. That's
2: your first thought. The blue. Bell Phoebe has blue in her um, cape. Her, her, her cape, yes. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cape. Cape nowadays makes you think Marvel superhero,
1: doesn't it? <laughs> <That's just> a- <laughs> A cloak, Just the
2: a shoulders cloak. warm. It's just a yeah. cloak, yes, yes. But yes, when Virgin May would be appropriate, no, because if she's shamefast, she would be, of course, highly virginal. And, mm. you know, don't touch me. <laughs> so long as on with her commoned Unto the ground she cast her modest eye and ever in and anon with rosy red the bashful blood her snowy cheeks did die, that <laughs> her became as polished ivory, which cunning hand handed overlaid with fair vermilion or pure custody.
1: So like, yes, remembering the fall.
2: Yeah, well like that, yes, that's right, exactly yes, exactly but it's also a kind of again, it's a kind of unpraiseworthy self-obsession isn't it mm-hmm. you know what do people right, you know as, as your mother would tell you most of, people, most of the time people don't notice you will
1: give a damn don't yeah. give a damn Nobody's yes, yes
2: exactly you could take off your underpants and wave them around your head and nobody would notice <laughs> well, okay
1: <laughs> let's go chest in the centre.
2: <laughs> or you could wear your activewear. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes nobody cares <laughs>
2: great wonder had the night to see the maid so strangely passionate and to her gently said so it's kind of it's got some avuncular concern mm. for her mental well-being i think fair damsel seemeth by your troubled cheer that either me too bold you in this wise you to molest Notice again he goes to shamefastness because his first thought is that she's blaming him for being too bold mm. and therefore she's blushing at his boldness.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's
2: rather a nice It's a good uh, touch. Uh, yes. Um, this wise you to molest, which of course didn't have the um, modern meaning just meant to molest and meant to annoy mm-hmm. get on one's nerves or other ill to fear that in the secret of your heart close lies from whence it doth as cloud from sea arise notice how awkward this language is all these monosome yeah if it be I of pardon I you pray I will if please you it disqueur as say to ease you of that ill so wisely as I may say so he is equally kind of tongue tied and bashful mm. and awkward so, I mean, he's okay at you know, hitting other knights on the head with a sword, but he's not so good at talking to women. <laughs> <laughs> she answered naught, more abashed for shame, held down her head.
1: <laughs> That's a good conversation.
2: Yes, <laughs> I know. Why
1: are you, what's wrong?
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like That's right. <laughs> Held down her head, the wild, her lovely face, the flashing blood with blushing did inflame, and the strong passion marred her modest grace. So, passion is going on inside you. It's all Because it, it
1: is both extremes. She's passionate. Mm. She's so worried about feeling it. She yes. just feels the passion, which feels that, yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. It's, 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 like, a, it's like a vicious feedback loop. Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But Guile marveled at her uncouth case i him bespeak. Why wonder you, Fer said, at that which he much embrace which he so much embrace In other words, why are you surprised at a disposition which, in fact, is your own? You embrace
3: mm. it.
2: She is the fountain of your modesty. You shamefast are, but shamefastness itself. Yes, it's not that he's shamefast socially exactly. We haven't seen that in him, but it's more about kind of secret. And I think partly to do with sort of sexual desire because it's always a very awkward area for him, you know.
1: Yeah, well...
2: Phaedria. And then, you know, the way he's tempted in the Bar of Bliss, although we we not come to that yet. Yeah.
1: And... I mean, he's always fighting. It's almost like he's trying to Yeah. redirect it or something, or it's an outlet.
2: Yeah, that's right, that's right. It's his Achilles heel, I mean... He can spurn the wealth of Bamon, he's not tempted by that.
1: But yeah, Phaedria, he's like, oh.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) The
1: lust of the eye. (laughs) But he knows it's bad, so he feels bad. Yeah, Yeah. exactly,
2: exactly, exactly. Yes, he's self censoring. Thereat the elf did blush in privity.
1: (laughs) An agnorisis? Uh, what is sort of... that? I've got
2: that as a note here. <laughs> a laborious, well, that is is a moment of recognition.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. And often it's you know the um, the turning point of a tragedy, a Greek tragedy. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it can be as crude as recognizing, Ah, oh, you are my long-lost sister. You know, there's your birthmark on your on your left arm. I'm
1: Byron. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
2: <That's right. laughs> yes. But also it can be an inner recognition, a moment of, Ah, oh, God, is that me? Oh, yes, mm. it is me. God, <laughs> um, which I suppose this is in a way, it should of course properly change people mm. once they. But of course, a turning point as yeah, we know. As we know, but in, in the real world outside fiction, yeah. you can have an aneurysm an, an and discard it because it's too inconvenient or uncomfortable.
1: Mm. Um, I'm sure politicians have them
2: well every week. You think wouldn't maybe you, you know. Yes, Mm. exactly. They, uh, they, this is the thing shamefastness is actually quite a good thing in a way to have to some degree because mm. someone like and let's not go down this rabbit hole but someone like Scott Morrison,
1: Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> 12 minutes
2: since well <laughs> it's just that he's completely lacking in shamefastness yeah. so he has no and sense. loves
1: praise desire
2: he loves praise desire yeah. but, uh, exactly but he has no sense of how his actions will be viewed by you know the man on the Clapham omnibus the rational man like
1: he's so divorced from reality yeah, it's,
2: yeah. and it's, it's partly it's like a kind of narcissism so Absolutely. narcissism um, yeah you know, shame, shamefastness is a is a um, is a check to narcissism in a way isn't it mm. because you're aware that you might actually look like a prat yeah
1: self-awareness on some scale yeah,
2: yeah exactly but people like Trump and, and Morrison and Boris. Ben, John and John, Boris Johnson yes, it's amazing that it? they all came mm. together a moment in history have no conception that they look like a Pratt because mm. they're wonderful. Of course they're wonderful, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I it's actually very interesting. There are it's a form of self obsession, but it's actually in some ways quite a good corrective form of self obsession.
1: Mm. Yeah, and that's the point, you need them to the right degree. Yes. If they are the only thing that power you, it's always going to pervert and yeah. Undermine, yeah. That's
2: right. And you need to be able to look in that mirror.
1: Mm. And
2: that shows you, that, you know, mm. what you are. Yes, exactly. So the elf blushes in Privity. <laughs> but she the same dissembled fair and feigned to oversee. Um, <laughs> no. So she, <laughs> oh, she she dissembles. She, In other words, she's disguising her true knowledge of this. She's ah. pretending not to notice yes. very politely. So uh. she feigns to oversee, to overlook. Right. It's funny, oversee and overlook have kind of changed places, haven't they? Because or oversight. Uh, we'll yeah, yeah. Having oversight of a job when they mean not Noticing. ignoring it yeah. but actually running it, if you like. Yeah. But she is so she's feigning to not see what it is. It's it's all, actually it's, it's, it's slightly Jane Austen. It is very Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> Us their wild with court and goodly game, themselves at solace, each one with his dame. Solace. Solace is a yeah. word which can have a little bit of spin on it.
1: So it's a bit sexy, but he doesn't want to. Well, look. Make it
2: explicit. I, I think it means flirt here. Okay. So it's, it's kind of mild, harmless. Flirting. Okay. Yeah. By the so, but it, so it's kind of sexual, kind of erotic, but but in a way that's going to lead nowhere. Mm-hmm. Not going to lead to naughtiness.
1: No. Okay. So.
2: Because it's all controlled, you see, it's, it's very sort of social. Again, it's Jane Austen characters mm. are always flirting, mm. but they do it in a very subtle way,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and it's never going to lead to somebody, you know, thrashing about on the <laughs> double bed.
1: <laughs> yes, as in, as in modern film adaptations. As in
2: modern film adaptations, mm. exactly. So it's a rather nice, a rather nice image, actually, isn't it? film. Um, mm. So it, this is pointing again forward in, in, in the poem to Book six and the, and the of courtesy, courtesy. yes, yeah. which contains these interactions. And you know, mm.
1: but you have to have temperance before you can have courtesy. He builds, yes.
2: You know, oh, he builds. he builds, he's a builder, he's a builder. The whole thing is mm. like a sort of huge castle. Um, they say, well, with court and goodly game themselves, it follows each one with his dame till that great lady to away them sought to view her castle's other wondrous frame. So we're moving up now up to a stately turret she then brought ascending by ten steps of alabaster wood. now it might seem not many steps to get to a turret Ten. it's ten, not much
1: what do we have ten rib cages or something
2: well we've got rib ten caps? vertebrae there are, there are I think seven vertebrae in the neck and then there's another three vertebrae that take us down to okay to so the, the bottom of the, the neck. lungs so we're going whoop up Again, into the the rational the rational mind. soul the okay. mind yeah, yeah that's right Alabaster, because it's bone, I suppose. <laughs> that turret's frame most admirable was, like highest heaven compassed it around. Because it's, it's dome like, I suppose. <laughs> <the top laughs> like of a the skull. head,
1: yep. <laughs> like a head,
2: yes. And lifted high above the earthly mass which it surveyed, surveyed as hills adorn, as hills dune lower ground, sorry. It was an important point, of course. For Christians who believe, you know, the special creation of human beings or of animals, that, that human beings are erect. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> no, but, I... but you remember Milton when he our first glimpse of Adam and Eve is to a far nobler shape, erect, erect and tall. And tall. Yes. yes. So standing up is a <laughs> sign that you are. You are, you, are, you are oriented to God, who's up there.
1: Right.
2: As opposed to crawling on your belly like a serpent or a lizard or something. Or, okay. Or a cat.
1: Yeah, yeah, a cat, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything, really. Yeah.
2: Except chickens. Our chickens noble? And other
1: birds. <laughs> <laughs> chickens are not alone in their correctness. Okay. Well, fly,
2: ducks. flying birds, of course, are often emblems of the soul. Right. Um, ducks, though, yes. What well, ducks fly. <laughs> But chickens are oh, a Oh, they don't
1: fly. I see. They don't fly. They're... Well, they do. Well, they can. Chickens? Chickens? No, yeah. they can't fly. you a chicken fly? You're right. What am I saying? <laughs> I <can't.
2: laughs> if they jump off a perch, they will flutter Flap, their... Flap, yeah. But that's just instinctive. They're What's a...
1: the point of them, then? Why have they got wings? What's well, the point? B-
2: because, uh, because they're flightless birds and the wings have atrophied.
1: Right. Like penguins. <laughs>
2: Natural selection. See, natural selection mm. no longer preserves things which are not useful. Not but if used. a fish, this is a bit of a rabbit hole, but if a fish starts living in a cave, you know. It'll uh, lose its gills. Well, it's, no, no, it'll lose its eyes. Eyes, okay. Not because the eyes are consciously it's just that above one. random random uh, changes that would deteriorate the eyesight would in the in the in the sunlight world would make that fish vulnerable it's gobbled up by other fish doesn't mm-hmm. reproduce
1: mm-hmm.
2: nothing prevents that deterioration in the cave so after many generations they become blind
1: yeah okay so chickens don't fly and penguins mm-hmm.
2: yeah. penguins are fly well they fly underwater water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah they swim <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah okay yes
2: yeah natural selection the key to everything <laughs> um, uh, uh, yes have you, have you introduced um, Darwinian to the first years we will yes to the first... or to this oh, yes. oh yeah
1: they know I did it for Paradise Lost you may remember but yeah first years oh, I sprinkle yes. it in <laughs>
2: <laughs> good 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 sprinkle away um Nor that which antique Cadmus will unbuild in Thebes, which Alexander did confound; uh, these famous structures of myth. Nor that proud tower of Troy, richly gilt, from which young Hector's blood by cruel Greeks was spilt. See again, he's very much on mm. the Trojan side, because mm. the Trojans give rise to the Romans, and they are the author of all, all authority in the Western world. All drives from Troy ultimately, uh, which is, um, and we you know in the next canto we will see this long catalogue of kings, but mm-hmm. they spring from Brutus, who is a relative of Aeneas, who's a Trojan who comes to Britain and yeah. founds the kingdom of Britain.
1: And the Greek stuff comes back in the Romantic period because the French were using the, the kind oh, of yes. Roman imagery from the revol- for the Revolution, right, and then so. But that's where it picks up again I mean people were doing it but is that where it picks up in a big way Greek
2: well yeah look um,
1: enthusiasm shall we say
2: <laughs> yes I, I, it, and really through visual art through through statuary through neoclassical right, architecture okay, that kind okay. of thing you know the, the, And I think there, you know, these ideas of the Trojan War have ceased to be really kind of viable or useful or relevant.
1: Yeah, nobody knows anymore. You have to explain the Trojan War every time.
2: Yeah, I know. know.
1: Where it was such a big, it was huge,
2: as big as the fall almost. Yeah, it was was a
1: cataclysmic point in. uh, That's right mythological history that's yeah. right
2: was this the face that burnt launched a thousand ships and burnt the topless towers of Eilion? Yep, yeah
1: there it is Under <laughs> <in> the end
2: <laughs> us, yeah that's right mm. exactly um yeah. no that's actually, actually, actually very interesting because and this is a terrible rabbit hole and we shouldn't go down it but um you're thinking of the way the romantics related to these things yes yeah um the Romans because the Romans were used by authoritarian governments it's very that's interesting that's too,
1: as well because Hitler picked up on all the Romans oh stuff. very much yeah, so yeah. The, yeah. Rem,
2: the Roman the, the salute. salute yeah uh, and you think you think of the do you, you know the famous David painting of the oath of the Horatii I'll google it google it and you can google it too listener if you're if, you, the, if we haven't cut this out um, the
1: earth the
2: oath of the Horatii yeah okay
1: Oh yeah, right. The swords.
2: You can see. So you've got you've got these three chaps, and and they're basically it's three three um three Romans are going to fight three Etruscans or whatever they are, and they're from some neighbouring town. This is the early days of Rome, and it was quite small.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you know, to save to save a war, if you like. And they're holding up their swords, and it, and it it's, it's masculine courage and virtue and duty and honour and the state. So these are all these are all rather kind of right wing values.
1: Oh. <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And notice, notice the women who are kind of we're
1: just of, flopping about. Yeah.
2: Well, because they, because they're, they're either married or or sister to all these japs. Okay. So they're just thinking, oh, why the hell do they have to go and do this? Oh, yeah. Just... All
1: the posturing and nonsense. Yes. And just
2: sit at home. Couldn't and... we just have a barbecue? Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and a drink.
3: <laughs> a
2: drink. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but about the romantics, you see, the Greeks then were seen as the opposite of the Romans. They were seen as not mass masculine but in a sense feminine in, in you know in the sense that they cultivated art and, and intuition and intelligence and, and philosophy. The other you know.
3: thing? Well let that a little actually okay right
2: mm-hmm. but but that's 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 yeah, so the ode on a Grecian urn. Mm-hmm. You can't imagine him writing an ode on a Roman Trojan urn or an o oh, yeah right
1: yeah. 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 on some rabbit hole. uh Grecian <laughs> urn we oh, 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 yeah,
2: yeah that's right, yes. Um so, you know, the, the people in the Grecian urn are all, they're kind of, they're having fun in a way, aren't they? Yeah. Old I never ever can out kiss. Yeah. They're winning the other goal. Um, so, I think that was the kind of the romantic distinction that they were making. And, and treasure was completely irrelevant to all that. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah. Huh. The,
2: the, the Greeks are kind of delicate and feminine and artistic and...
1: Which the romantics aspired to yeah. be, like. and
2: the Romans are stolid and butch and stomping on everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um. Oh, yes, we're, we're in the skull, aren't we? Mm. Yeah. To goodly beacons, stanza 46, set in watches stead there and gave light and flamed continually. Gave light, of course, they believed. The early modern medieval ancient belief was that weirdly, and it's hard to explain this, that the eyes produced light.
1: Beams. Beams, yes, yes. yes. Which
2: then perceived things and bounced back. <laughs> and it's kind of obvious that that's not the case because you can't see things in the dark. But
1: We did establish yesterday that they're... Um, Physiology was a
2: bit off. A bit off, yes. <laughs> right. A Bit random. <laughs> Not based on experiment. Yeah. Covered with lids devised of substance sly that readily they shut and open might. Who can tell the praises of that maker's might? Um, and again, they didn't know about all the ways in which, if he was a maker, he got it horribly wrong. Absolutely. Even the, the eyes themselves, of course, as I, as I said last time nor can I tell nor can I stay to tell this part's great workmanship and wondrous power there's all these other works world, world's work doth excel and like us is unto that heavenly tower so human beings are like to, to God they're closer to God they're made in God's image this is the idea isn't it mm. what a piece of work is man as Hamlet says <laughs> that God hath built for his own blessed bower God lodges in us and indeed God lodged in well yeah (laughs) he's in our bosom
1: he sure is
2: (laughs) but also he lodged in the human shape of Christ Hmm. so you know the Christian can never see the the the, the flesh and the world as entirely contemptible because Christ chose it. Ah, oh, that's right. It, We're back to yes. As opposed to Manicheans mm-hmm. or indeed the Cathars, are we talk about the Cathars. Yes, they came up for Dante. For Dante, that's right. Yes, he saw he saw the flesh as basically dogs' dung. We're all made of dogs' dung.
1: Trash slime. slime, slime.
2: Yes, but but unredeemed slime.
1: Unredeemed slime
2: on yeah. the
1: dung hill of iniquity. <laughs> exactly,
2: the very, the very same. <laughs> in which there dwelt three honourable sages, the wisest men I ween that lived in their ages. So we're dealing now with the the mind as a sequence of faculties or, or a set of faculties. Mm-hmm divided up. Now this is the origin of course, well part of the origin of the whole medieval idea of the psychomachia mm-hmm. war between different parts of the selves mm-hmm. um, and so they saw these three fundamental parts of of the mind as well there are different ways of slicing it up and different traditions as you can imagine you know the, the whole of western history arguing with the toss on this one but basically we go from Imagination, who's represented as a young man, and imagination in a sense. Well, we'll, we'll talk about what imagination is in a second. So then you've got reason,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which of course operates by logic and comparison and you know algorithms and understandable procedures. And then you've got memory. It's a bit like, I mean, those two a bit like a computer. You've got sort of the the CPU, which is reason, and you've got the hard disk, which is memory, mm-hmm. which
1: and imagination is this weird substance uh, flopping about
2: between. Well, what imagination does, and this is the interesting thing, it's the creative side because imagination takes items from memory and, and reassembles them. them.
1: And that's how dreams.
2: That's how dreams happen. Because in dreams, you just randomly reason. Reason goes to sleep. Yes.
1: So your memory is reassembling things with only imagination.
2: And no filter. That's why I had a
1: dream last night that Patrick owned a farm
2: with zebras. (laughs) I'll
1: tap that out. But good lord, I'm still processing it. (laughs) And my yeah, okay, reason went to sleep.
2: (laughs) That's right. As in the famous Goya painting, the sleep of reason produces monsters.
1: Or the nightmare, Fuseli's nightmare. Yeah. yeah, the monster yeah. sitting on it. Yeah.
2: That's right. But of course, imagination also has a... So imagination can produce crazy stuff, mm. mad stuff. But also, but also reasonable also, reflections
1: of... Well, an interpretation of reality.
2: And exactly, to it out. Uh, exactly. And a, a looking forward, a possibility. Yeah. So, you know...
1: Patrick you, might own a zebra farm.
2: Well, you might. <laughs> you might. The concept is there. You know, it's, yeah. it's available. Yeah. Um, okay. That's right. Or you might be trying to do something. You might be trying to, I don't know, finish rob a bank, your thesis. or finish a thesis. That's much more welcome. <laughs> and. <laughs> Your memory shows you what you know, theses look like, and what working in libraries like, and so on. And you combine these things to form a plan to finish your thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not remembering anything that's actually happened. You're making a possible thing that might hypothetically happen. Mm-hmm. But there's also this fascinating. So imagination is both something that can run away with you and be, be a, a, a sort of a movement of madness, but also. It is enormously creative and useful and fruitful, and of course, a poet like Spencer or Shakespeare, because Shakespeare writes about this in, in summer Like's dream. Yeah. You know, Theseus, the famous Theseus speech, "Alone take the lone yes. imagination will compact," where Theseus speaks as a rational. You know, he's a CEO of a CEO of a small firm. He sure <laughs> he is. He believes in daylight and common sense and none of that nonsense. Thank you very much. Yeah. Except of course that all the stuff he's dismissing we've actually seen in front of our eyes on stage, yes. so we know it's got a kind of reality. Yeah. And the language he uses to dismiss it, in fact, establishes its value, its yes. worth, its power. Significance,
1: importance, yes, yeah.
2: yeah. That's right. And so when he talks about imagination bodying forth the shapes of things unseen, giving to local giving to every nothing a local habitation and a name. For Theseus, that's saying it's all stuff and nonsense, it's all just fantasy and unicorns, pink unicorns, probably.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But what it's actually saying is that imagination can apprehend what cool reason cannot comprehend. Imagination mm-hmm. can glimpse shapes, and forms, and possibilities.
1: It's an elevated means of understanding.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Interpreting. Exactly.
2: It's understanding. So it's not, it doesn't understand in a solid algorithmic this, then this, then this, and such and so that that's a way, a mess, but it glimpses truths that are not reducible, to mm. that. and of course the whole model of Christianity,
1: like God, you can't. It's yes, sublime, almost. Exactly. It's like it's beyond exactly. comprehension.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, reinforces all that. You know, maybe.
1: that's that's why the sublime is the sublime. It's it's beyond your ability to interpret it. It just affects the uh, imagination. Yes, it punches right. you in the.
2: That's yeah. right. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: So that's
2: and, imagination, um, yes. <laughs> and that, that's what Keats meant by negative capability. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. So imagination, therefore, it's a kind of it's a kind of double edged sword, mm. to put it crudely, um, and it's liable to be dismissed by the hard headed and the you know down to earth types.
1: The faculties
2: the bean over there, counters. over yonder. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. But. Um, and this is why their knowledge fossilises, you know. Mm. Whereas for knowledge to develop and grow, you've, so I mean, every scientist needs imagination.
1: Yeah, you can't... Well, Frankenstein.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> you right. You
1: have to imagine that you can do it. Yes, and he does it. Exactly. Or, or um, Daedalus, Daedalus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Birds have wings. Why can't I have wings? Let me see. Let's, let's do it. And and he, he does it. He, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Mm. I mean, think how crazy and insane notions of, you know, um, dark matter, and dark energy. Are.
1: I mean, sliding doors would throw them off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <But>
1: <laughs> We've been to the moon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's right. So people forget that. People think science is solely a matter of algorithmical reason. It's not.
1: Particularly
2: At- now, yeah. No, yeah. Any any truly interesting science is imaginative science. Mm-hmm. Remember Wordsworth's famous description of Newton, the bust of Newton in Trinity College Library? He called it this is in the prelude actually. Mm-hmm. He called it the marble index of a mind forever voyaging through strange seas of thought mm. alone. <laughs> nice. Isn't that wonderful?
1: Alone. Was that yeah, in German, in the next line? Like alone on the end of the line? Oh,
2: and like? in um, no. Oh. Shame. Mm. That would have been good, Miltonic mm-hmm. and wouldn't it? it? Would have, yeah. That would have been a nice one. Mm. <laughs> There's a sense in which you know this model kind of works. Mm. You know, memory just accumulates stuff like like a sort of an old junk shop. Reason then selects from this and says, "We need this and then that." No, we we'll put these together, and then imagination creates amazing stuff out of this, which reason filters. Mm. Reason says, "No, we don't want pink unicorns, thank you." And of course, reason often gets it wrong. Mm-hmm. Because there may be pink unicorns.
1: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> there may be. What <laughs> were <may be>. <laughs> right. we to say? <laughs> we to say
2: this, we? That's right. And of course, we have to remember that in, in this period, most of the face of the earth was unknown. Mm.
1: So
2: mm. You certainly couldn't deny there might be pink unicorns in the heart of Africa because nobody's been yeah, there. Like the
1: kangaroos would have been. Kangaroos? Emus. Ab- ab- yes. Absurd. Insane looking. Um, Armadillos. Yes.
2: The kangaroo looks exactly like a deformed. Invention of imagination.
1: Absolutely. You take the front
2: does. of a deer and the back of a Christ knows what. <laughs> <laughs> well, a rabbit, a I rabbit, guess. Maybe, a, his, a rabbit
1: must be built Yes. Yeah, shunt
2: them together and
1: wow. Ah. <laughs> 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 Australia. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: Hmm. And of course, you know that the scholastics spoke of the other side of the world as containing the opposite of everything in the northern hemisphere. And I think it's Aquinas, or somebody says, for example, in the, in the Antipodes, they would have black swans.
1: I mean, didn't they have black swans? No. Anyway? Black swans are... Are they just here? Yeah. I didn't
2: know They're that. They're peculiar to Australia. There you go, that's pretty cool. So nobody's heard of a black swan. Black swan was like like a pink unicorn.
1: So, you know, Aquinas, I mean, even a broken clock is right twice no, a that's <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: It's just throwing ducks, <laughs> that's that's one of them's got a stick. Right. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. Well, he could have said he, he could have said purple crows, couldn't he? Be <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so like forty-nine imagination.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, we've done. Yeah. Yes,
2: the first of these could things to come foresee, the next could have things present best advise, the third things past could keep in memory, so that no time nor reason could arise but that the same could one of those comprise. In other words, they cover the whole field. Mm. But, for thither first did in the forepart sit, that nought might hinder his quick prejudice. Prejudice is prejudging. He had a sharp foresight and working wit that never idle was or once could rest a wit. And that's an important point about imagination, that unlike reason which sleeps when you sleep, imagination is always churning away, mm. hence producing monsters. His chamber was dispainted all within meaning painted in all sorts of ways, diversely, a bit mad. with <laughs> <laughs> sundry colours in the which were writ infinite shapes of things dispersed thin. Some such as in the world were never yet, we can devise and be of mortal wit. And, of course, to say they're never yet in the world is not to say that they don't exist, merely that we can't see them, you know, round the corner. Mm-hmm. And, and so imagine, in other words, It's important, and we made this point before, that imagination, yes, is a generator of crazy stuff, but it's also a way of apprehending stuff Mm. that's...
1: Interpreting.
2: Yeah, it's a tool. It's a tool. It's a Mm. a, a, um, hermeneutic tool, you might Mm.
1: say. Interpretive tool,
3: Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. Um... Some daily seen and known by their names Such as in idle fantasies do flit Infernal hags, centaurs, fiends, hippodames Apes, lions, eagles, owls, fools, lovers, children, dames Now that is more difficult than it seems Or maybe it seems difficult Because we take flit to be intransitive just moving around for your eyes and then he lists a few things like infernal hags yeah they don't exist they're imaginary or are they this is the question you know mm. um when you see an infernal hag uh you know Hagridan
1: no, oh, no, Hagrid.
2: Ah, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, Hagrid presumably comes from Hagrid. okay. This
1: hagridden. Is, Hagrid, yes.
2: Okay. Hagriden. Hagriden. Yes. Okay. You wake up in the middle of the night and you feel that there's a pressing on your chest, which you imagine to be the hag who's sitting on your chest, like a nightmare.
1: Yeah, in the pe- pressing the Fuseli painting. Yeah, like again. The, like the yeah, f- yeah okay.
2: exactly Hagriden. Exactly,
1: Hagrid, yeah, okay. Hagriden. So kind of like sleep paralysis. Or yeah, that's
2: right. That's right. Okay. And, and you attribute this to the the ancient hag who comes in the night and sits on your sits on you yeah uh, you know okay fair enough what's she doing that's her job surely she yeah (laughs) no questions no questions (laughs) Um, so you never wondered where Hagrid came from no. Oh,
1: no. well... it doesn't Hagrid? really fit with Hagrid at all. Hagrid. Doesn't it? No.
2: You think not Hagrid?
1: No. Anyway, it doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a nice name. It's a nice name. Interesting.
2: Centaurs. Now, we've just had centaurs. We yeah, have just <laughs> had centaurs. What a day
1: it has been. <laughs>
2: exactly. Now, centaurs are a classic product of imagination. You've seen a horse, you've seen a man, you put the two together. Mm. You get a centaur. But maybe centaurs exist somewhere. Mm. Again, remember... Spencer doesn't know there are no centaurs in the centre of Africa. If a lot of people believe Pliny, Pliny said that, you know, in the, in the middle of Africa were men whose heads do grow beneath their shoulders mm. and monopods. You know the monopod? One leg? One, one leg foot. and one foot.
1: Oh yeah, I've seen pictures.
2: Huge foot which they use as, a, as an umbrella. Sunshade. Oh, okay. And yep. They lie Again. on their back in the sun. And, wow. Yeah, with a huge foot. You'd think there'd be easier ways of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Fiends, hippodames, which is basically a hippopotamus, I suppose. Apes, lions, eagles, owls. Now, those do exist, but they're strange. Um,
1: Name like... Uh, like a kangaroo, you know, to us, yes. they're normal, but a lion to us is so exotic yeah. and like, wow. Yeah,
2: that's right, yeah. that's right, yeah. So... These are light monsters, but they're real monsters. So imagination can produce monsters, but imagination can also give you insight into real, weird stuff.
1: Mm. Okay.
2: But then we get fools, lovers, children, dames. Now, obviously, these are not the same as apes and lions and eagles. They seem to be categories of people who would be, if you like, intellectually despised from a sort of white male educated Uh, perspective
1: yeah Yeah. the ivory tower shall we say
2: yeah and so this this looks dismissive I think it looks like you know a sort of rather patronising patriarchal view only such people would believe in these things because you see flit I said flit looks intransitive but in fact flit could also be transitive you flit something Um, and so these things are, in a sense, being moved about by these categories of people who have, therefore, a kind of agency. They are responsible for these things. It's not just happening to them. Oh, it's
1: children and dames who are, like, in the imagination. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, Yeah.
2: And, and it's exactly like Shakespeare. He says, lunatics, lovers and poets of imagination compact. When, in fact, when you look at what he's saying, he's saying that, in particular, lovers and poets have insight into stuff that is hidden from everyday workaday banal reason yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Um, and similarly here because the whole point is that you're know, fools well fools were seen as having a kind of a holy wisdom a fool we prize the utterances of a fool like the fool in King Lear because he's closer to God in a way and a Mm. channel to God and the same is true of children equally out of the mouths of babes Mm. and of dames older women who have you know the wise woman of the village yeah she has insight into these things stuff that purely rational chartered accountants (laughs) haven't got a grip on
3: yeah
2: Uh, and the same with lovers yeah love leads you to see stuff that you could see otherwise When you think about Romeo and Juliet, it's all about that. It's about Romeo and Juliet finding a new way of being human that isn't isn't completely sort of padlocked into a rigid gender construction. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, Romeo becomes more kind of intuitive and, and imaginative and so on, and Juliet becomes more assertive and demonstrative mm-hmm. and she takes charge and and it's more interesting than the kind of, you know,
1: Everybody utterly bifurcated. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Because, yeah. you know, Verona was a town governed by testosterone. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Y- y- Act one. Act one. It is so homoerotic. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'll be incensed to anger, but only by them. Like, exactly. only them, they're going to make my dick hard. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And I think, in fact, I, slight rabbit hole, but I think the um, that film from the 90s... Yeah. Caught that rather well. Yeah, it did the mm. Homeric tension? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Did you need the loop? Well, I did, it made It can wait. Oh, you're stronger <laughs> than me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's actually quite an interesting, again, and it's exactly like Theseus's speech, which is a rabbit hole we don't have time for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but look at it. The the character is saying one thing. The official poet is saying, "Yeah, women, lovers, children, what do they know?" Mm-hmm. But the language of the Bible is saying something quite different. It's saying, yeah, they do. They've got this special kind of insight that's hidden from...
1: Everyone else. ...the
2: daylight, workaday, yeah. mundane world yeah. of reason. Yeah. So, and, and, and in fact, if you didn't read it that way, if you read it in that dismissive way, you would see no use for imagination at all. Imagination would be merely crazy stuff. Mm. And clearly it isn't. Clearly it's functional Clearly, it's useful. Mm. As I said, imagination allows you to plan. You, I
1: think, yeah.
2: you need you need to get in an upstairs window. Well, you've seen windows before, you've seen windows open, you've seen ladders. Ah, I'll get a ladder and I'll put it by the window. i <laughs> climb up the window and get in the room. I mean that's a that's a trivial example, but mm. it could be more complicated. You plan.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
2: And all the chamber filled was with flies, which buzzed all about, and made such sound that they encumbered all men's ears and eyes, like many swarms of bees assembled round. After the, after their hives with honey do abound. All those were idle thoughts and fantasies, devices, dreams, opinions, unsound, shows, visions, who says, and prophecies, and all that feigned is as leasings, tales and lies. So here, again, There's it's an the,
1: element of truth in everything. Imagination yeah. is what, yeah. Uh,
2: but you can see that the voice of the poem, the, the, the official voice, is dismissing all this. Eddie. Eddie, yes. Eddie,
1: <laughs> the unreliable narrator.
2: Exactly. You've
1: got Edmund Spencer and you've got Eddie. <laughs> exactly.
2: So Eddie takes the party line, the expected and of course the the, the dull reader takes Eddie at face value and then you've got the subversive poet who's undermining Eddie from within
1: and the vigilant reader will be picking up on it yes Yes.
2: and so here we've got Eddie pointing out uh, suggesting that you know all these are vain fantasies like flies buzzing around a chamber just an idle noise and he includes his devices devices means of course a device could be many things but it could be a a a, a formed intent of the kind i was talking about that imagination produces Mm -hmm. you have a goal and imagination produces the means to get to that goal Mm -hmm. because you've never you've never done this thing before but this is maybe how you do it yeah um so the device can actually be useful dreams opinions unsound but dreams again you know dreams can be useful as we know we won't go down that one that hole <laughs> shows visions suits and now visions often means and certainly in in, in the medieval usage a vision is a dream that shows you a kind of truth and of course in the bible
1: revelation yeah
2: in the bible you know
1: everyone's always having revelatory visions they are
2: yeah yes yeah so they recognise that some dreams are just too much cheese, you know, last thing at night but other dreams could be from God and they could be visions and they could be God pointing stuff out to you so again, to dismiss it all Mm. is foolish Mm. and what's really important I think is that he he starts out by talking about flies buzzing around, nobody likes flies, flies are no good but then they merge into bees now bees are of course extremely important Bees produce honey.
1: For the, well, yeah, very important for the environment. Exactly. Yeah.
2: As, as, as Swift says, they produce the two noblest of things, sweetness and light, because their wax produces candles if you like, uh, and their honey you sweet. Of
1: course, something we just don't think about. Anymore,
2: no, yet, no, we wax, don't. Yeah. We don't. So, while Eddie is telling us that, that, that the products of imagination are all just nonsense and children's stuff and silly... Poetry is telling us that actually the imagination can be profoundly creative, and it can be it can be a, an instrument of knowledge
3: mm.
2: that can't be arrived at through ordinary means, through, through rational means.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And of course, as I say, logically, why would there be a separate chamber of the brain if that weren't the case? <laughs> <laughs> Amongst them all sat he, which wonted there that height fantasties by his nature true. Man of years yet fresh as might appear, of swarth complexion, of crabbed hue. So it's interesting. He's he's a sort of slightly melancholy type. Mm. him full of melancholy did show. You have to say melancholy. <laughs> Bent, hollow, beetle brows, sharp, staring eyes that mad or foolish seemed. You've got the. Um... This isn't exactly a rabbit, well I, it's kind of important I suppose, but mm-hmm. there were two basically different competing views of melancholy in this period um, one from Galen and one from Aristotle, and of course Galen and Aristotle are both authorities you can't disguise one you can't discard one, mm-hmm. and so that what they did was they kind of blended them together in a weird way, Galen says a melancholy is essentially a kind of mental disease is a verging on madness. Melancholy is it's, it produces uh, phantasms and hallucinations and delusions. You think you think that you're the Emperor Napoleon um. <laughs> <Look at me>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that kind of thing. So, melancholy there is pathological and it's verging on a kind of useless destructive madness. Mm. But Aristotle's view of melancholy, and the two, as I said, were mixed up, and you think of the character of Hamlet, and you can see how they are mixed up in Hamlet. For Aristotle, melancholy is is an intellectual thing. It's thoughtful and meditative. Instead of, you know, rushing about, making money, not thinking acting like everybody else, the melancholy man withdraws, he meditates, he's he thoughtful. thinks, he's, an he's old thoughtful, soul. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. right,
2: that's right, he meditates on things. And therefore he's not he's not laughing and shouting with joy because...
1: He's measured and thoughtful yes. and busy in
2: his own mind. And and he, yeah, he's not, aware of the complexity of things.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: okay. Yeah. Uh, and so in a weird way, although they're kind of incompatible, <laughs> hmm. Hmm. The Renaissance mind thought of marrying oh, them in a curious
1: because way. Because if you were incredibly reflective and withdrawn and intellectual,
2: they also saw
1: that as a some sort of mental. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's you're right.
1: a crazy man. The crazy, yeah, yeah, the crazy scientist. Uh, yeah,
2: exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of almost the origin of that that topos, you know. Mm. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
2: That's right. That's right. So he's melancholy in both senses. He gives the appearance of the Galenic melancholy man, but in fact he is very much the Mm. introverted, contemplative melancholic that Aristotle talks about. And of course that, that kind of melancholic man was very much the source of imagination
1: yeah like science yes. yeah yeah, the, the withdrawn
2: exactly the, yeah
1: scientists yeah.
2: the platonist in his lonely tower I mean Frankenstein uh, you
1: know I'm not going to go out and see my family I'm going to sit at home and be you know yeah that's yeah. right that's yeah, right,
2: that's, yeah, right, that's, yeah, right yeah. that's right exactly and that's what gives rise I'm not rise. going partying I'm yeah, going to dissect frogs instead yeah hmm. um, yeah Milton wrote a pair of poems called Il Pensoroso and L'Alegro. Uh, Il Pensoroso the thoughtful man, Allegro* the cheerful man. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that the Penzoroso rejects Galenic melancholy, mm-hmm. the madness. L'Alegro actually embraces Aristotelian melancholy, mm-hmm. the, the scholar sitting in his lonely tower at midnight, thinking, thinking and writing. And, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, it's not apples, and, it's apples and oranges in a way. <laughs>
1: Mm.
2: But yeah. Mm. So. Um,
1: and this is in the, this is in the mind. This is what rational, the rational, yes. yeah, mind is looking at as we've worked through the others. And this is this is what we have to contend with in the big dome of the brain.
2: Yeah. That's right. These different faculties that are yeah. doing different jobs. So imagination is experimental and trying out stuff and does this work let's fling it at the wall and see if it sticks mm. you know then we've got rash, the rational chap next mm-hmm remember having shown it to her guests, thence brought them to the second room, whose walls were painted fair with memorable jests, that is, deeds, famous wizards, and with picturals of magistrates, of courts, of tribunals. This, this is the world of common sense, reason, mm-hmm. and judgment, of states, of policy, of laws. This is, you know, serious people doing serious things, round tables, and uh, judgments, and of decretals, all arts, all science, all philosophy. And all that in the world was, I thought, wittily. Except it's not all. Science, of course, just means knowledge in this period. It doesn't mean what we mean by science until the nineteenth century. Um, but you see, it, he's actually wrong because it's already been shown to us that at least parts of philosophy are the province of imagination. Mm. It's a very interesting.
1: Yeah, you can't separate them entirely. No, yeah, yeah. no,
2: no. As as Keats tries to do, for example, in, in *Lamia*, mm. you
1: know,
3: mm.
2: doesn't all something fly at the dull touch of cold philosophy, and only, or charm? Do not all charms fly at the touch I'm of cold? The
1: bloody names, um, Ap- Apollonius. Oh, Apollonius—he's
2: the philosopher. And yes. Oh, and, and the lover who L. is in love with Lamp Yes, Yes. Um, what is his name? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but that's after a, you know a century and a half of kind of enlightenment idea of philosophy as an entirely rational, reasonable thing, mm. rather than because you think of Platonic philosophy, that's kind of kind of mad and very much a product of imagination, isn't it? Mm.
1: Yeah. You, mm
2: so pure, pure reason what Kant called pure reason
3: mm-hmm.
2: the critique of pure reason yes of all of those that room was full and them among there sat a man of ripe and perfect age who them didn't meditate all his life long so we've gone from the, the young man of imagination uh, slightly crazy to the middle-aged man who is meditative and profound and thoughtful um, he now was grown right wise and wondrous sage great pleasure had these stranger nights to see his goodly reason and grave personage that all his disciples both desired to be, his disciples both desired to be, Valma then some led behind most of the three so we don't spend much time, he's a bit boring this chap <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a sort of Mr Spock figure
1: yeah, yeah, that's nice, Spock
2: yeah, hmm. it's important to remember because the the, the, the human mind needs all three hmm. it's, it's, to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's just a. Part. I guess
1: the first one was the most complicated, and then this yeah. one is pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward.
2: He's pretty straightforward. Straight and then we get to memory. The chamber seemed ruinous and old, and therefore was removed far behind. Yet, with the walls, that did the same uphold, right, firm and strong, though somewhat they declined. So it's it's kind of solid. This chamber of memory. Um, as we now know, human memory is actually a much more complicated and difficult mm-hmm. thing. than <laughs>
1: Neural pathways, and, yeah. Mm,
2: and, well, the, and the fact that we constantly rewrite memories, as we recall, yeah. and restructure them and mm-hmm. make them fit current reality. Um, and therein sat an old, old man, half-blind, <laughs> all decrepit in his feeble course. A lively figure rested in his mind. And recompensed him with a better score. Weak body well is changed, for minds redoubled force. Fair enough.
3: This
2: mm-hmm. um, his man of infinite remembrance was, and things foregone through many ages held, he recorded still as they did pass, not suffered them to perish through long held, as all things else the which this world doth wield, but laid them up in his immortal shrine his shrine, so, so memory here is a kind of a shrine. Shrine,
1: yeah, know. and a Catholic. Oh,
2: well, yeah but, yeah, but this is Spencer willing to embrace Catholic exactly, ideas Exactly, yes. and I'm
1: thinking of, you know, Tintin Abbey and. Oh, yes. Yeah, like. That's right. Yeah shrines landmarks places as, as connections with the past as yes. memories like we will yeah. be seeing the shrine as that connection with history yeah.
2: that's right that's right exactly yes yes when we come to the next canto mm. yeah the wars he well remembered of king nine that's king ninus of babylon so we're going back a bit of older asadicus and dinicus divine the heirs of nestor nothing were to his nestor was 300 years old at the time of the trojan war all right. Apparently. All right. So they say. Okay. <laughs> um Well, yet Methuselah, of course, a great age in the Bible before the flood. Right. Though longest lived, for he remembered both their infancies. No wonder then if that he were deprived of native strength now that he then survived. His chamber all was hanged about with rolls and all records from ancient times around. So he, he's also got a kind of a library here, a kind of... Um, some made in books, some in long parchment scrolls. They all were worm-eaten and full of canker holes.
1: Again, metaphor for how memory functions. Like, Spencer still had yeah. a pretty good idea. That
2: it was fallible. Yeah, but it
1: wasn't yeah. Because it, it, it says, um, which he recorded still, and I thought that was interesting that they're memory is just recording. But, eh, yeah, fallible. But, but
2: fallibly, yeah. yes, exactly, exactly. Amidst them all, he in a chair was set, tossing and turning them without an end. For bo- but for he was unable them to fet to fetch that is a little boy did on him still at attend to reach whenever he for aught did send lo when things were lost or laid amiss that boy them sought and unto him to lend therefore he and then an Amnestes clip it is and that old man Eunessty by their properties so he's called Eumnestes, you good amnesty's memory good memory yeah. But good memory isn't enough because you need a recall function. Okay. It's very interesting that he was aware that the recall function in the human brain is actually not very good because of evolutionary reasons. Mm-hmm. We need recognition. We need to know that berry will make you sick, but that berry is good to eat. That's really important stuff, so we remember that. Um, but if we're sitting back in our caves, we don't say, you know... Uh, what was it I sent to Ugg last week when we were on the, the mammoth hunt? Mm. Um, I can't remember, damn it. And who was it we were talking to? Was it Scrug or Blug? Mm. Um, because human memory doesn't need to work out the way.
1: But it needs to know which berry you can eat.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a computer is really good at that kind yeah. of stuff. You just search for Scrug, and up he comes. Yeah. So Recall. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So human so the computer memory has a has a wonderful little boy mm. to do fetching. It's
1: interesting how humans have seen this as a failing and have just spent our entire existence coming up with ways of cataloging yes. information in a way that is easily recalled. Yes. So libraries, yes. decimal systems, duodec- yeah. alphabetic arrangements,
2: yeah. catalogs, yes. we're very big
1: on organizing information because we know we'll forget. We know exactly.
2: we're fallible. Exactly. exactly. I mean
1: exactly. epic poetry is part of that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. Hmm. Filing cabinets. <laughs> it's a kind of Western obsession too. Interestingly, you know the famous, the famous encyclopedia of the Chinese emperor, mm-hmm. um, which classifies beasts as things like, um, you know, to be found in the emperor's zoo, uh, eats vegetables, um, you know, <laughs> makes a noise if you poke it. Um, Begin through the letter, whatever. So, right. a, a series same. of category, Well, it's a series of categories that are not commensurable. They're right. just random categories that are probably useful. Right. But you know, in in the West, you what you, you you have you categorize in a systematic way. So that if you look at, look at, look at the yeah, you New know, Testament, yeah. categorize everything and some subcategorize, some ca- which is of course a, a relic of the Middle Ages. It's, mm-hmm. it's Aquinas with his you know, Summa Theologica and so on. Mm. And I light. suppose the Chinese never went through that. So they just thought, but you know, there's a way you can argue for the Chinese system. It looks crazy to us because we're so used to this, mm-hmm. but why not just categorize categories you're interested in? Like, why
1: in is it? the alphabet in the order that it's in? Well, there's the, no.
2: Well, it's a historical. History.
1: I know, <laughs> but back then, like yeah, yes. I know alphabet like first second. Yes. but
2: it makes. It why better. not
1: better alpha and B? For, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's quite arbitrary. It's quite arbitrary. Yeah. Um, the knights. Uh, actually, if you think you think of um, people who live in the jungle, you know, sort of jungle dwellers who have a kind of large knowledge of nature, but they still classify things according to utility to them they don't they don't have a sort of Linnaean classification so that they'll talk about this bird and this bird and this bird very precisely by species because they're useful or edible or dangerous or whatever mm-hmm. but other birds are just birds you don't need to classify them because they're not interesting not useful they're mm-hmm. not dangerous they're just birds
1: birds okay.
2: And it's, it's the Western obsession with classifying everything We so do you love God. a good yes. classical system Yes, yeah. exactly yeah. The exactly. might exactly. um, they're mm-hmm. entering did him reverence due and wondered his endless exercise Then as they gan his library to view and antique registers for to advise they chanced into the prince's hand to rise an ancient book height Britain monuments that of this land's first conquest in devise and old division into regiments Till it was, till it reduced it was to one man's government. So, we're now looking forward to the next canto. This is the book that has the all the kings of Britain mm-hmm. from the very first Brutus right up to Uther Pendragon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was, of course, the father of Arthur.
1: And it's interesting that you know Spencer is trying to. Recall, revive out of Hmm. lost memory. This nationhood of
2: England. Exactly. So we're going
1: to find that in memory in the House of Olmar.
2: Exactly. And
1: that's significant. It's like we're going to bring it back.
2: Yeah. Because of course, and he must have sort of known this. There is no, there was no or record of. (laughs) It was just the the fantasy uh, produced by. What's his name? The Welshman, you know. Uh, um
1: uh
2: Yeah, what is his name? Uh, uh,
1: uh, You're talking Arthurian legend. Yeah. yeah,
2: um And all the all the King Lear and Cymbeline, all these people Geoffrey of Monmouth. Thank you. Geoffrey of Monmouth. The Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and before that, just various conquerors <laughs> Yeah, yeah wiping right. out each other's history.
2: That's right. So what you have is an imaginary history mm-hmm. supplying the place of, of a real one, of this gap, this absence, which is kind of intolerable because you... And it's all to do with the growth of national... We'll talk about this next time. Yes, yeah, I, well, in I'm some detail. I'm jumping the gun yeah. slightly, yeah. Sagaion so chanced on another book... Chanced Eek, sorry, on another book, that height Antiquity of Fairyland, in which, when as he greedily did look, the offspring <laughs> of elves and fairies there he found, as it delivered was from hand to hand, at they burning both with fervent fire, their country's ancestry to understand, craved leave of Alma and that aged sire, to read those books, who gladly granted their desire. We
1: so, did it. <laughs> we did it.
2: We did it.
1: But there's more.
2: There's more. Wait, there's more. It would be nice if people read history with burning cravings.
1: Yes, Yes. pick up a book with a burning craving. Yes, yes.